Steve, there's a lot of unsung heroes who have just vanished in history because nobody knows who they were. Nobody knows where they came up with their ideas. I mean, we all know, like, nobody knows who made Velcro. It just sort of existed or whatever. There's okay. no name we have attached to that property. And I thought about one the other day that I think might be one of the most clever people ever to exist. And let me tell you about him, Steve. I'm talking about the guy that decided on the spelling of boobs. Hear me out, Steve. <laughs> Think about okay. the word boobs. Right. Starts with a B, which looks like two boobs. Uh-huh. You follow that up with two O's, which looks like boobs. Right. Round it off with another B, more boobs, and then the letter S kind of looks like two boobs that are scissoring. Wow. I know. Genius. I had, hmm. Now that it is was amazing. Yeah, and that was definitely a dude that did that for sure. Because he'd be like, now, oh, I'm going to very boobs. much have to disagree with you there. Okay. Because women like boobs too. Who doesn't? That's a good point. That's a very, very good point. And I would say women are more likely writing about boobs before men were writing about boobs. That also might be true. You're putting up a pretty strong counter argument here, Steve. Yeah. Though it is possible that the word boobs was just discovered because some dudes graffitied a bunch of boobs on the side of a building. <laughs> and then someone was like, what it are It looks boobs? like it says boobs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that could be. That could be. So shout out to the heroic man or woman that decided on the spelling of boobs. And welcome to the brand newest installment of your favorite horror movie review podcast. It's Dead and Lovely here with your boys. It's me, Uncle Ben. Me, Hollywood Steve. And on today's episode, we're going to be diving to the depths of Mariana Trench. Not Mariana's Trench. I've been played my whole life. I thought it was like the trench that belongs to Mariana. Apparently, it's Mar the Mariana Trench, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. Though uh, the the other way around sounds like something a pirate would have named it. That's true. Yeah, uh -huh. that's a good point. The deepest part of the ocean reminds me of a girl I knew. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Mariana was her name. You're learning so much listening to this show. It's a history lesson. It's a, it's a lesson about the English language. And we're going to be reviewing Underwater from 2020. Mm -hmm. That is after we catch up, shoot the shit, have ourselves a good time and a co-beer, if you want to get straight to the movie review portion, just look at the timestamp that's in the podcast description before you go leaving a negative iTunes review talking about how we fucking talk too much before the movie. We gave you a timestamp. That's stamp. the podcast. That's the thing we do. Welcome yeah. to it. Yeah. Welcome. All are welcome. All are welcome. Yeah, we're going to have ourselves a good time on this episode because personally, spoilers, I think this movie kicks ass. I think it's pretty yeah, fucking I like awesome. It. I think it's real fun. I mean, yep. fun. I think it's a lot of action that yeah. makes you feel like you're having fun, though the movie itself, pretty dark. It made me say, I'm having fun. I wouldn't want to be there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This is Put so much on the fun box. not being there. <laughs> Glad it's not me is what I said the entire movie. Mm -hmm. But before we dig into that, we need to catch up and shoot the shit. Steve, I feel like it has been maybe about five days since I seen you because... For the first time in a year, mm -hmm. we actually managed to get together and have ourselves a safe, socially distant, outdoor co-beer. We had a few just yeah. random days of glorious weather in mm -hmm. East Tennessee, and we decided that we should meet up for the first time in forever 
at a picnic table at Old Merchants of Beer in the old city Knoxville and enjoy ourselves a couple of cold ones. I feel like we just needed some good friend therapy this week. You've had yourself kind of a rough week, Steve. I don't mean to bring it up and make you talk about it, but I just well, feel you like know, you, you've had a bad you one. You think I wouldn't talk about it? <laughs> There's no <laughs> way I wouldn't talk about this. Uh, my, my grandfather died. Uh, and, and it, it's, uh, that's, you know, I, I probably have talked about it on the podcast before. My grandfather was my father figure growing up. Yeah. So, um, it, it's not awesome that he died. Sure. But he also was an old man and he was in, he was in pain. So it's also not terrible. It's one of those things where you know, it's kind of um, bittersweet where it's like he had a good long life. Married for 65 years to my grandmother. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Uh, looking at him in the hospital bed, uh, he was a little thinner than the last time I had seen him. But uh, throughout his life, he was mostly 5'11", 250 Woo. in the hospital bed. He was down to 5'9", uh, at 80-something. But uh, two thirty, not a big fat man either. Just a thick boy. Just a big guy, man. I don't know, man. I feel like I could have took him. I'm just saying. I mean, <laughs> yeah, weird probably. time to brag, but I feel like with <laughs> with the height difference he experienced, I might have had a fighting yeah. chance. Carry on, please. Yeah. yeah, he he was just seeing him in the hospital bed. Emily and I went to the hospital when they extubated him. Um, just seeing him in the hospital bed. It wasn't one of those experiences where, you know, a lot of people see their uh, bigger-than-life uh, grandparent or parent now, you know, withered sort of husk. It was the, a big old man I knew, Old Peckerhead. Old Peckerhead, he was known as. Uh, but there was just moments where he was completely surrounded by women, and I know that's how he would have wanted to go out. So Weird. it was pretty awesome. Uh, my on, mom, man. my aunt, my sister, my grandmother, and uh, nurses, my my wife was there. Just all these women, he would have been very happy to, because he, he was a very charming man, loved to, loved to flirt. Married for 65 years, never stopped flirting. Just old flirt. Flirted with every single woman he met. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> he would have loved it. So it was it was a an interesting moment where I, I really just had trouble feeling too bad about it like it was sad but it was also like this is kind of exactly what he would have wanted so pretty perfect pretty pretty cool life he had he he worked in the mines from his teen years good lord uh, fucked up his back in the mines then sold life insurance owned a restaurant with my grandmother the dude had a long, eventful life. He was a Little League football uh, coach. He ran Little League baseball and Little League football in Jefferson City for a long time. Yeah. Really good dude. Well, and he helped raise, you know, half of the greatest podcast of all time. So I know that he was definitely, like, super stoked about that because the man surely was a listener <laughs> of the show, right? Absolutely sure. He, he definitely... Definitely listen to the show. No, Podcast I don't think you ever heard it. We called him. Podcast Papa. I don't think you ever heard it. I don't. Uh, he never did quite understand what a podcast was, but he was definitely was proud of me. So that's positive. I, I, I don't know. Like, w- would I rather him have heard the podcast? Definitely not. 
I don't. <laughs> <laughs> what, judging by the fact that we talk about um, boobs and necrophilia and. <laughs> yeah, I think he would have felt less proud. He would have been like, huh. Okay, so you're just fucking around on the internet with your friend. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what a podcast is. I was gonna say I'm not yeah. still I'm still not really sure. I understand what a podcast is, but here I am doing one. I don't get it. It's like being in a cult or something. Like, what am I doing here? I don't know. Put the mic in front of me. Let me talk. <laughs> just drink the Kool Aid. <laughs> well, man, I, I hate it for you, but I am very glad that you got to have such. A wonderful pep pep in your life because I, I i never met him but everything that you tell me about the guy he sounds like he was quite a good dude and learned learned you real good it sounds like he learned you good he did he taught me to be a big old man baby uh but to be charming about it tight that's the secret yep. man that's the secret <laughs> personality goes a hell of a long way we learned that from pulp fiction yep. well man it was good to see you and hang out and have some co-beers and talk about honestly just to to talk about stuff that wasn't us podcasting like that's really one of the first times that we've gotten together and just talked about stuff that wasn't for the show in a really long time and just hung out you know kind of like friends do and yeah, uh, that thing uh -huh. while we were chilling and drinking some co-beers there was a couple of people that wandered into the patio area there it was two elderly people it was like a guy and a woman that were probably maybe 60 or so and they seemed to be existing in maybe some sort of drugged out haze. I'm not exactly sure what was up with those people, but like, yeah, the guy like just full on walked into a table full of people, like literally just walked into them in this that surreal sort of haze. And I it was zombie -like. I quit thinking about him. Well, I figured out that these are people that escaped from a David Lynch movie. That is what it felt like. It, it was for be. sure because I was like, at first I was like. Because of the way they were acting, I was like, oh, they're probably homeless and maybe just drunk or something. Like, I understand. If I were homeless, I would also get drunk. Uh, but it was like, wait a second. No, their clothes are clean. This is just an elderly couple, and they're both on drugs. Yeah, it seemed that way. They're old, and <laughs> yeah. they like to fucking party. Yeah, um, and they were. They were partying. <laughs> I guess so. I think they'd that already partied. On the set of the newest David Lynch movie, and they just decided to come visit, yeah. I guess. They were they like, were we just saw the weirdest baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was good getting to see you, man. And I want to know, what have you been watching this week, man? Oh, uh, Look uh, out. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'll just explain it, not to talk too much more about my, my grandfather's death. Uh, but uh, that happened on Tuesday, which is when we normally record. Yep. Uh, and we're now recording on uh, Sunday, just a couple days before this comes out. Sunday podcast, Sunday. In, in the time, uh, leading up to my grandfather's death, I knew he was in the hospital and, um, it, it's not been a week of me wanting to experience a lot of new things. It's yeah, been me it. just uh, playing video games and, and watching stuff like Raising Hope, as I said, mm -hmm. uh, or The Boys. I, I watched a few episodes of that after I watched the, the first one because it was just like, oh, I like this and I don't have to choose a new thing. Wait, The Boys, are you talking about that show that we just did a uh, Patreon exclusive episode on? Yes, I am talking about that very same the boys that we just did a Patreon exclusive episode on. Uh, oh, wow. Go to patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. Become a patron on any level. You can listen to the that episode. You can. Uh, also, 
our next episode on the uh what are we calling it again the podcast pilot tv test pilots the, oh yeah that's it tv test pilots um over there on the tv test pilots patreon exclusive we're going to be doing wandavision next that's right so mm-hmm. whoop, whoop, head over there that's right anyway so i did get into some new stuff but i had to sort of ease myself into it so um let me tell you a little bit ben about a movie called no escape room no escape room i don't know anything yeah. about this i just watched this yesternight and um it was one of those where i saw the title and i was like there's no way that title can disappoint like i can't be disappointed by this movie because that title is terrible very bad it's a real real bad because it i mean it's like so what if you were in an escape room, but you couldn't escape it, right? It's like a no escape room. I got it. Like no escape room. Like terrible title. <laughs> so I was like, this couldn't possibly disappoint me. And you know what? It didn't. In fact, I would say it's, it, uh, once it started, the one of the title cards was Sci-Fi Channel Original. And I was like, oh, lower expectations even. <laughs> and then I watched it and I was like, this is one of the best sci-fi original movies I've ever seen, which no is shit. an extremely low bar. Yeah, of course. But still, it's, I mean, solid. Like, other than the fact that, like, there's some terrible dialogue and, you know, that has that thing where people will try to get someone's attention by saying their name over and over and over and the person is inexplicably not paying attention mm, that old and thing. it's annoying as hell and they do it several fucking times um other than that the acting is solid mm-hmm. the the directing is solid visually okay looking most of the time and and it reminded me of 13 ghosts oh okay okay i would say if you're willing to overlook a lot of things it really it made me uh feel more comfortable getting into new stuff so actually after watching it i watched a, a couple of of things i hadn't seen including haunting in connecticut oh i've heard about that but i don't know anything about it or if it's any good it's not it's not good <laughs> sick dude i've heard people say it's good i don't know what they're talking about Ugh. uh boy it's real bad but virginia Matson's in it and amanda crew and they're both gorgeous uh it's not no it's it's bad it's bad it's bad i I was gonna try to find some positives like i would say honestly i would watch no escape room over haunting in connecticut oh my god man i'm just gonna put that out there boom why do we have so much trouble getting good haunted movies like honestly most like movies that deal with the haunting are either fucking amazing or absolute dog absolutely shit absolutely terrible yeah 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 what's so bad about it then um most of the scares are um dependent on camera angle and a, a music sting Ooh, innovative so, yeah like you know i think one of the first scares is virginia matson opens a closet with a mirror on the inside mm-hmm. to show somebody what's in the closet which is like why would you show this scene? This is boring. And then <laughs> she goes to close the door and you see something in the corner in the mirror and you're like, oh, what? Oh because my the God. music sting goes boom, bing. 
and you're like, oh, okay, I'm supposed to be scared because of this stupid fucking scene you showed me. Gotcha. I've never once seen a mirror scare in a movie where someone suddenly appears in a mirror behind someone in like a medicine cabinet or something. Wow, this will really get them going. Yeah, and in this case, the people don't even see it. That's the thing that really annoys me is that it's set up for the viewer to see. Got so it. basically, if we're in God mode and can see all this, why can't we see all of it? Why don't we see the ghosts all the fucking time? Because we're in God mode. We can see them. It's a good point. It's ridiculous. But Ben, on the Friday night, we watched something I had never seen as well. On the screaming chat? On the old screaming chat, watched a little movie called Bats. Bats. What's it about? <laughs> uh, it's a it's a prequel about those bats that scared Batman, made him become Batman. Nice. It's their story. I love it. <laughs> right. Yeah, finally. No, it's uh, um, basically if you did arachnophobia with bats and you eliminated the environmentalist message and threw in Lou Diamond Phillips. I'm okay with all of this, frankly. Oh, boy, you'd be less okay if you watched Bats. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Not a good, huh? <laughs> Not good. I really did, like, that was kind of the thing to me was, like, uh, I saw Lou Diamond Phillips was in it. I had never watched it, uh, but I was like, eh, maybe it's a hidden gem I haven't heard of. Or, you know, maybe maybe people don't talk about it because nobody's gone back and watched it. Uh but no, that's not it. It's terrible. It's bad. It's just not good. It's not famous because the movie wasn't good. Yep, yep, that is the case. Mm. Uh, but we had a good old fun time. And guess what, Ben? What? Next week on the Screaming Chat, I want to advertise this to get as many people out as possible. All right. Because we're watching Pieces. Oh, shit. And guess why we're doing that, <gasps> Ben? Why? Why would we do that? Because the Wednesday after this Friday, an episode of Neon Brainiacs is coming out That's where right. you and I appear and talk about pieces. We did it? We did that? Yeah. Yeah. That was us? So if you're like, I want to listen to that episode, but I've never seen pieces, well, here's an opportunity. The Screaming Chat this Friday. Show up, watch pieces with us. And then hear me and Ben talk all about it with Greg and Ben on Neon Brainiacs. Mm -hmm, that's right. We had some wild four-way podcast action. <laughs> Just opening up our open podcast relationship that we have going. <laughs> Steve got to be with another Ben. I know that's yeah. exciting. Yeah, it was It was interesting. Mm-hmm, that's right. I was actually calling him by your name. He didn't even know. <laughs> he didn't even know, did he? Yeah. <laughs> That's romantic. That's kind of sweet, honestly. Thanks for telling me that. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good time being on their show. Uh, we'd love to have them on our show sometime soon, too. So, yeah, you guys be sure to go and listen to that and tune in to the Screaming Chat this Friday to watch Pieces. It is a silly, silly fucking movie. Possibly a Giallo parody. We talk about that on their yeah. episode and stuff. So go into we it with did. that mindset. And it'll actually make a lot more sense to you, I think. It will make a good bit more sense. And Ben, you pointed this out to me that we didn't talk about on their show, unfortunately. But the way that there's a black gloved killer and it shows him doing stuff like with the gloves on and the way he clumsily does everything like Very that clumsy. really sealed for me that you're yeah. right, that it is a Giallo spoof. There's no way it's serious. Whenever he's pulling that photograph out of that box, like the picture of his mom that's like crossed out or whatever, 
It seriously takes every bit of 30 seconds for him to pull it out of the box because he's just clumsy because he's wearing fucking gloves like you always do in a Giallo movie. Oh, my God. It's so ridiculous. So come out Friday. It's awesome. It's it's streaming on Shudder, but I also found it on YouTube, and uh, hopefully it's still there on on Friday. If not, we'll we'll watch it on Shudder. But the YouTube version is actually higher quality than the one on Shudder. Wow. Don't know why. Huh. Okay. Well, be sure to tune into that hangout with your boys over on that Discord server. Anything else you caught this week? Um, no. Just been playing some some of that Fallout 4. Been really, really getting into it. I uh, killed me a behemoth yesterday. Ooh, very First good. behemoth I've killed in Fallout 4. It was What fun. did he do to you? He beat big and scurry. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah, and I yeah. was like, I don't want to try to talk to you. I'm going to shoot you from far away. That's the same reason you killed the big show all those years ago. It is, it is. And then Paul White was resurrected by The Undertaker. It happens. These things happen. We know it. This was all behind the scenes. You guys didn't see it on the show. Now, Steve, this week, I watched myself three things I want to tell you about. Oh, tell me all about them. I've got something old. Oh, good. I've got something new. And I I've hope got you got something borrowed. Newer. No, it's just newer. Oh, damn it. Newer than new, okay? Mm-hmm. We watched... Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid this week. Never seen that one. You haven't? Okay. Now, that that one is, for a non-Western fan, maybe a bit of a challenge. I didn't really like it, honestly. Yeah, I was going to say. Like, yeah, it had parts in it that I liked, but yeah, it's very meandering, and there's just so much stuff where you're like, is this really the soundtrack to this movie? Because it's right, fucking uh-huh. goofy. <laughs> like, it won an Oscar for, like, raindrops keep falling on my head and shit, and it's like, that is wildly out of place in that movie and in that scene. For one, it's not raining. What? Yeah. And a lot of the other just music in the flick makes no sense, and this comes from the guy that, like, wishes Goblin did the soundtrack for every movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't exactly know how this one doesn't pass the test, but soundtrack was just really weird, and there's, like... All these parts in the movie where it's like, hey, here's like five minutes in sepia tone that's a bunch of photographs of them just wandering around a town having a good time. Like, really? Why? It had good parts in it, man. But like overall, I don't know, man. Maybe if I saw it when it came out, I would I would get it. But I didn't think it was very good, honestly. No, I'm with you. It's not one of my favorites either. Um I didn't obviously see it when it came out and saw it as a kid and it's um it's different. It's just so different. But I also I do see the value in it now, watching it as an adult with a lot more perspective on, on westerns, but I still mm-hmm. don't it's not like an enjoyable watch. It's very long. It's very long. Some good acting and stuff in it, obviously, but oh, that's absolutely. About it for me. And it looks gorgeous. Really gorgeous looking yes. movie. Looks great. Mm-hmm. I'll give it that. I also watched the Little Things with Denzel and Jared Leto just looking real dumpy the whole movie. Looking dumpy. Have I've you seen not, this? I've not I don't even know what this is. What what is this is? What, what, what what's going on? What what what? You should watch it, man. <laughs> it is a <laughs> it's a crime movie. It's about Klima. Oh, okay. And um it's one of those that I can't really say too terribly much about they without do kind crimes. of spoiling it. They, there's crimes in it, and there's people trying to solve the crimes. Ooh, right. And it's about the links that people will go to solve the crime. 
who turns out that the crime solvers are crime doers as well. Look out. Man, mm-hmm. I think it's pretty good. Like, I, I have some friends who have seen it that didn't really get into it because they thought that it was slow and that the the ending wasn't, like, super conclusive. But I have a feeling if you like the endings of movies like, like, let's say No Country for Old Men. Oh, yeah. I do love that one. Yeah, me too. I think that's awesome. I think... If you enjoy that and you like crime psychological kind of stuff, you'll enjoy this movie. It's also got some really killer performances and stuff in it. I don't know. I enjoyed it, but it's one of those that I would get it if if you didn't. But I think that you would like it, so check that out. Yeah, I mean, if uh, if it, uh, No Country for Old Men is is um, I that's one of my favorite endings. Oh, of, yeah. of a movie, and oh, yeah. I, I know it's it it's not like this wonderfully conclusive ending but it, it kind of is it's kind of like the perfect statement for yep. the ending yeah, I, agree, I love man. it totally agree so check that one out and we also watched an even newer movie that you watched this week too steve we watched i care a lot on the yeah, netflix uh-huh. i did i did watch that one i forgot to even mention it yes i care a lot man um that's a movie about really terrible people doing really terrible people stuff yep yeah, it is. Um, it goes hard in a way because, like, I've said before that uh, representation means having more villains as well. Like, you need more like strong uh, woman villains, strong black villains, and and we've we've seen that in the past few years. Uh, this is probably one of the strongest, like, swing for the fences, nihilistic, absolutely hateable, but still somehow likable villain. I agree with that. Yeah, it's. I mean, the movie is lacking in in some ways, but as far as the the character development and the acting, it's amazing. Yeah, zero uh, the story's there. good. Mm-hmm. It's solid. It's. Um, I I think the Russian mafia is a bit of a pushover throughout After the movie. After you pointed that out, yeah, I, I agree. Which is not not likely. If we're talking about the <laughs> Russian mafia that Not actually typically exists. the case, yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, I and there there were some some small bits that I was like, eh, little quibbles, but mostly it was just Rosamund Pike being amazing, Peter Dinklage being amazing, Diane Weist being amazing, just oh man, killer, fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. Definitely not like a movie that you want to watch if you're like, you know what I need to feel better about humans? No, yeah. It is definitely about how terrible people are and how terrible the uh, medical care and legal system in this country are and all sorts of other things. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely so, man. But I think worth a watch for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, it's definitely one you want to follow up with uh, something lighter and nicer <laughs> you know what i got something light and nice hanging out aside me right oh, here yeah i've got myself a cold beer that i'm just dying to crack into steve what about well, you me too what i got, got me a cold beer right over here i got this you you gave me a prairie artisan ales funky gold mosaic which is a dry hop sour ale that is like 50 words I just said to describe this It is. This it's a beer. lot of description. There's a lot in there, too. I had one of these a while back, and I just remember being generally kind of confused about it. So I hope that you okay. enjoy it and can maybe explain to me what it is, <laughs> because it's definitely unique. I, I guarantee you'll have it and be like, well, that's not common. 
<laughs> yeah, dry hopped sour ale. It's a 5.8 percenter, so that, I mean, that's a big old boy for a sour. That's true, that's true. I've got myself a bigger old boy, because I got myself a pint can of an Edmunds Oast Brewing. It's their Sour Blackberry Raspberry, which is described as an American sour ale brewed with blackberry and raspberry. And this comes to me from Charleston, South Kakalaki. Oh, yeah. I've been there several times. Mm -hmm, Me too. Did the Charleston all over that fucking town. Did you? Eat yep. a Charleston Chew doing the Charleston? Oh, man. Talk about things that I fucking hate. Charleston Chew. Ugh, cut it out. I Charleston Chews. Are I you 80? Are it. you secretly 80? What? How, when's the last time you had a Charleston Chew? I mean, a long time because I wrote them off so long ago, Steve. I'm telling you, Charleston Chews are tasty. Do I need to go back? Do I need to, like, retract my hate for the Chew? I think anything that you've hated since you were a child, you should probably stop hating. You know what? <laughs> we'll we'll kind of talk about that in the preview palace because honestly, it is oddly relevant to to one of my portions for the preview palace on this episode. So, you might just be right. Have you had a, yourself a sip of that co beer yet? Let me get a little taste of it here. Now, this thing I just poured into my glass, it is a opaque. Deep raspberry red color. It looks like there's some sediment floating around in there. There's pieces of fruits that were once alive, and they're being pushed to the surface by an ample amount of bubble, bubble, bubbles. It tastes like um, tropical fruit starburst. Is that the thing? Yeah, yeah. It's like a, you know, that mosaic, like tropical fruit flavor, kind of fruit punchy. I don't know, like, how to describe it. It's all. It's interesting. It's, huh. Hmm. What is this? I know, right? It's just kind of like confusing. I'm not sure what it is. Do you like it upon first sip? I think just, hmm. That's what I said too. I was like, I think, question mark? (laughs) I feel like, I feel like when I was a kid, I would have slammed this. Okay. But as an adult, I can taste more than just the sour fruitiness, and it's the weird part. But like it's the weird the, part, the, yeah. the the strong part of it is sour fruitiness, yeah. and that's good. That's tasty, but it's also just yeah, it's a little strange. Hmm. Yeah, I agree I with to that. Keep it's drinking like, on it and thinking on it. It's almost like if you could drink an ellipse, where you see that dot 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 at the end of a text <laughs> message, and you're like, "That could mean anything." Yes. That is exactly what it feels like. Where you're like, <laughs> "I don't know about that." I, it, it's like anxiety, almost like you're just in, <laughs> in between states. Like I don't know what the fuck's happening. Yeah, exactly, dude. Yeah, this thing I'm drinking on is tasty, though, man. It has a lot of just good, like, real raspberry, blackberry kind of flavors to it. Um, it is nice and tart. It does not have that bile kind of sourness to it. It has a little bit of earthy, vegetal plant taste to it. I, I enjoy this quite a lot. I think it's like 6.4% too, which is pretty high for oh, sour. That's a bigger one. I enjoy that. Dude, I'll tell you what else I enjoyed, and I got to snag some of this. Um, for the show sometime, as well as some of their other beers. Here in Knoxville, we just had a brewery open up called Zool, which uh, Zool is a name that, you know, if you fucking love horror and stuff like that, you should definitely know the name of Zool. And, uh, man, I had one of their beers that was called 
Adidas. It was All Day I Dream About Simcoe. Okay. And it was just like a single Simcoe hop, uh, like hazy IPA. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You would love it. All I got to right. get us some. I am interested. So Zool just opened up right before the pandemic, right? Uh, I think it was like they kind of started construction on their place right before the pandemic, and then they opened up. I think it's been, I don't know, maybe early winter, something like that. So they've not been open long, but man, they are putting out some stuff that is serious. I still haven't been to like the tap room and sat down and stuff just because it's it's a new brewery and we're in the middle of a pandemic. So of course it's very busy right. all the time and it's not been warm enough to set out on their patio and stuff. So I've actually not been to visit them yet, but I know that I will be because they make a mighty fine co-beer over there. Hell yeah, I'm excited. Now, you know, Steve, we're talking about under water today which is a movie that stars one Kristen stewart and Kristen stewart is an actress and steve let's just go ahead and clear this out of the way because i know that a lot of people still do what i erroneously did for years years and years and years okay. and hold it against her that she was from twilight okay let's just go ahead and clear the air here because you watch the twilight movies and you're like wow she is a horrible actress because those movies are just unbelievably bad. Listen to our Twilight episode to hear more about that. It's hilarious. And if I recall, we got rip shit drunk on it. <laughs> just talking shit about that movie. But, you know, I feel like I have been unfair to Kristen Stewart because now that I look back on it, I'm like, dude, if you handed those lines to fucking Meryl Streep, there would be no change in the outcome. Like, it's not Kristen Stewart's fault. Like, those movies are just fucking dog shit nobody could work with him and i really hate it that like that was her introduction to the world at large is like hi i'm kristen stewart i'm in these fucking terrible movies because i feel like that tainted people's expectations of her and i have since seen her in many movie films and found her to be a very fine actress and seems like a cool person too i don't know her we've never hung out she's never returned my calls but from everything she i know about return her, your calls no she doesn't oh, did she get back to you boy yeah, all the time. Yeah, tell her to call we're chitting, me, dude. We're chatting. Of course, it's probably because I didn't dislike her before Twilight. Shit. God so. damn it. That might, might be on me, is what it. you're saying. <laughs> sounds like a it me might problem. Be. Might be. Sounds like a you problem. Mm-hmm, that's right. A ba-ram you problem. <laughs> but you know, Steve, my thoughts on Kristen Stewart aren't the only things I've changed my mind on in my life. There's other things in my life that I used to not like that I now do like, I've got about three of them that come to mind. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. Maybe you got a couple. Do you have a couple things that maybe you change your mind on? I got a couple, two, three shit, man. How about we just, uh, you know, sneak on into the preview palace and talk about them before the movie review starts. Hey guys, remember how we used to hate the preview palace? Oh man. Everybody. Yeah. It's talking shit about it all the time. Well, guess what? He's like super cool now. He no like, way. W yeah, he went away to like that camp for the summer and now he's oh. way hot. Whoa, that's crazy. I got to go back and retract that bad iTunes review I wrote for Dead and Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and guess what? His penis is super veiny now. And oh my I, God. I that's good? I don't know. Wow. The main vein is just really like leaping out. Anyway, welcome to the Preview Palace, <laughs> where we're going to talk about stuff, what we used to not like, and now I've come around to it. Steve, do you mind if I just kick this thing off? Yeah, kick it off. 
Because I'm a person that used to really dislike a lot of what I'm going to call dad rock. But it could also be mom right. rock. I've mentioned this on okay. the podcast a couple of times, but it really was just like a big revelation to me where like through all my life, I fucking hated the Eagles. I hated Fleetwood Mac. Hated all that stuff, man. Can't. I mean, the Eagles I can get. Fleetwood Mac. That's a sin against music. Damn. Damn. I was doing them. it wrong, man. I was doing it wrong. And I had a couple of experiences right around the age of 30. I think honestly part of it was just turning 30. That made me suddenly enjoy the shit out of this stuff, man. I watched that Eagles documentary, and I heard those okay. guys backstage singing them big old harmonies, and then I got to play in a couple of cool cover bands like Smooth Sailor, Knoxville's hottest Monsters of Yacht, Yacht Rock cover band, where we play, you know, like one of these nights and stuff like that. Yeah. And got to actively, like, participate in playing those songs and playing those cool chord progressions and solos and singing those vocal harmonies and realizing how fucking deep they are. Don't get me wrong. Get Over It's Still the Lamest Song Ever Made. Yeah, yeah. That's later, though, right? Yeah, yeah, that's way, way later. And even, like, with Fleetwood Mac, like, I used to hate that shit. I hated hearing Stevie Nicks sing. I, I thought that she wow. sounded like a goat. Like, right. she still kind of does, but maybe I like goats now is all, okay? <laughs> Had a little turnaround goats. I used to not like them either, so it just makes sense that I like Steamy Nicks now. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. I had, again, an experience where I had a guitar student come in with, um, what's that Fleetwood Mac song? Never Going Back Again? It's just one with, uh, fuck, what's his name? Their guitar player, Leslie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy uh... shit, I'm totally blanking out on his name right now. Somebody is, like, smashing their steering wheel, screaming at me. You got the Leslie part right, though. Right? Yeah. Uh, let's get fuzz, get fuzz beat on that. Get fuzz beat fuzz on that while I tell this story. You continue telling your story while I beat fuzz beat until he does yeah, his job. Yeah, beat fuzz beat into submission while he gathers the name of that guitar player whose name I am blanking out on. But anyway, I had somebody bring that song in for a guitar lesson. They were like, hey, I'd really like to learn this. And I listened to the guitar part on it. And I was like, okay, first of all, this is this is two guitars. So this is going to be really hard to make it sound right on one guitar. You just have to choose one part or the other. And then I realized, like, oh, no, that's actually, that's just a one guitar, Jukebox Hero style. And the finger picking and stuff on it is bonkers nuts. It is so hard to play. I actually did learn it barely, and I probably can't play it now because it's been a while since I practiced it and stuff. But, you know, just getting a taste of things and getting in there and learning these things can sometimes really turn your opinion on stuff around and make you enjoy something what you didn't like afore. Okay, so now I'm gonna I'm gonna burst the tension bubble for all those people who are like, it's not fucking Leslie. Yeah, it's Lindsey Buckingham. Lindsey, there we go. Fuck, man, it's driving me crazy. Lindsey Buckingham, he's a Sorry. he's a picking motherfucker. He'll come at you picking. Sorry, Sorry we made you sit through that. Yeah, yeah, that's totally my bad right there. Don't listen to me. I don't know nothing about guitar. What am I talking about? <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I love I love Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, I I. I still don't like the Rolling Stones or Bob Dylan, though. I love Rolling Stones, but again, I always was. Don't like Bob Dylan. Don't like the Eagles. Not not a big fan of hmm. either. Hmm. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I I think I was always into that. So Because I grew up listening to classic rock. Like my, that was, my mom was into Led Zeppelin, Fleetwood Mac, oh, yeah. uh, the Stones, stuff like that. So 
grew up listening to all that. So I have positive associations with those things, but I, I understand, um, associating certain music with old people and not being into it because of it for sure yeah old people are whack yeah yeah now ben this is one of the earliest um examples for me so like i really wanted to to start from my first real turnaround all right and that was with mayo oh okay you were like me you were an anti-mayo man huh well, here's what happened. When I was a, a kid in uh, second grade, I went to the library and I checked out a, a science book for like home science experiments. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wanted to do experiments at home because I wanted to have a lab like Dr. Frankenstein or uh, or Beekman or Bill Nye, you know, like, As you a, do. like a cool person, right? So the first experiment in it it just had the stuff and told you what to do. And then it was like, now taste it. Um, so it was mayo, but <gasps> it looked like whipped cream. So Fluffy. I took a huge dollop of it right into my mouth. Pow, right and, in the kisser. Uh, boy, it was not pleasant. It was like <laughs> greasy and um, and tangy and yep. all the sorts of things that I wasn't expecting from whipped cream. So I thought I hated mayo. It wasn't until maybe uh, high school that I had a burger with mayo on it. And I was like, oh, what? Right. Gotcha. Burgers are supposed to be good. <laughs> you saw what the hype was about. You're like, no wonder white people love this stuff. I, I'm telling you, man, I, I don't know how you get uh, a hamburger without mayo on it. I just really? don't know how. I don't I know not how like the the combo of of mayo with a burger and some cheese, it, it's just you bite into that, all those things come together so perfectly. I you could I couldn't have a sandwich without mayo. I can't imagine a lot of things without mayo now. Mm. But uh, this was the earliest example of a huge turnaround in my head of just like, oh, I realized that when I was a kid, I had a negative association with this thing. It wasn't that I hated it. It was that it wasn't whipped cream when I tasted it. Okay. All right. All right. It sounds like me and my movie opinions. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted this to be whipped cream, but it was mayo. (laughs) So what you're telling me is that Anna and the Apocalypse was really more like mayonnaise when I wanted it to be whipped cream. (laughs) That's what you're telling me. I get it. I'm telling you, mayonnaise is amazing. (laughs) And Anna and the Apocalypse was not as shitty as I said it was. Right. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'll, I'll say this, man. I get it. Like, even though I am not uh, a mayo man myself, you can trick me into enjoying something if you label it as an aioli. And I, re- I realize how fucking stupid that is. But, like, even up at, like, like Stock and Barrel, it's right? Knoxville's thing. hottest burger place. I know it's the same thing. And it's just, like, I read that Stock and Barrel puts a garlic aioli on a lot of their burgers. And I'm like, I guess I'll have some of that. Sure. I go light on it. I don't, I don't, you know, put a ton on there. I use a little bit. But are you going good. light on it because you're trying to maintain your hatred of mayo? <laughs> like- no. Okay. Legitimately, <laughs> here's the thing. And this is, this is like really gross, but 
Sometimes I wonder if I just have more saliva than a lot of people do. Because a lot of times whenever uh-huh. I, pe- I see people adding condiments to things, I'm just like, how wet do you need your food? Are you like a raccoon? Are most people like raccoons where they don't have saliva, <laughs> so they need to soak their food to eat it? And I just wonder, like, I guess I'm more okay eating stuff that's drier than most people are comfortable no. with. Maybe I have more spit than no. usual. I don't know. It's, mayonnaise tastes good. <laughs> it tastes good, man. We're not putting it on there to lube up our food. <laughs> food lube, it's called. Yeah. We're putting it on there because we're like, I like this thing that tastes good. I want a bunch of it on there. And then we eat it. <laughs> I'm saying, man, maybe the way that like a lot of like, you know, podcasts and YouTube channels and stuff like that start rolling out some signature products, like how Keith right. from Try Guys has his chicken sauce. Uh-huh. Maybe you start putting out Unc- uh, Hollywood Steve's food lube. That's your signature aioli. That way I'll eat it because I'm dumb like that. I have had, I have made mayo from scratch several times and I, I don't get like why restaurants do it. Hmm. I really don't. Like the, making it from scratch does not make it better. It's like a box cake where it's just like, eh, you, you're doing a lot more work, but it's not really better. Well, with box cake, I I get it because box cake all has propylene glycol on it. And if you don't want to eat antifreeze, then, you know, don't eat box cake. Speak but for yourself, Steve. But also box cake <laughs> does stay fresher longer <laughs> and stays moister longer, so... All right, well, you, you go out there in the cold and you go ahead and freeze. And meanwhile, me... <laughs> I'll be eating this box cake. <laughs> yeah, staying unfroze. You have fun. <laughs> But yeah, like, uh, like, um, what is? I mean, there's always the argument between best foods and Hellman's and Dukes. What's the best mayo? This is a, obviously a very white person argument, but it's it's Dukes. Get <laughs> yourself some one, Dukes huh? mayo. It's better than anything you're gonna make at home. I make it better at home. No, you don't. Nobody will tell you. Uh, it's like when restaurants like uh, hand cut their fries, but they don't like soak them to get starch out or uh, brine them so or dumb, freeze them dude. or anything. It's like, oh, these are better because they're hand cut. No, they're worse because you don't know what you're doing. Frozen are better than these. I'll I tell guarantee you what's going to fucking impress me. If I go to a place and I see they have foot cut fries, I'm like, well, I got to try those. <laughs> yeah. Let's see what this is all about. What if you went to a place and it was tentacle cut fries? I'd be like, wait, what? I got to try these. <laughs> tentacles? Y'all got an octopus back there? Y'all got Cthulhu back there cutting your fries up? <laughs> what? I gotta find out about it. Mouth yeah, cut fries. Good. Maybe somebody just takes a potato and like just bites pieces out of it and spits them out. <laughs> mama birds men of the oil. I gotta find out. Mouth cut yeah. fries coming soon. <laughs> Mouth cut fries. <laughs> All right. So this one is a more recent change. Ben, I used to hate all wireless accessories. Okay, I get it, man. I totally get it. Yep, I was totally the last person to come around to a wireless earbud. And honestly, mm-hmm. I don't love the ones I have. I have the the Air, what are they called? Airbuds. Oh, yeah, the, the Apple ones. Yeah, yeah, and it's like if you, you know, smile, emote, move your face in any way. They fall out. They fucking <laughs> fall out, yes. Yeah. But but a wireless accessory, a lovely thing. Please continue. Yeah, so um, for me, it started when... As a, a kid, 
my I needed another controller because the the NES that my my granny bought me only came with one controller. Yep. And my sister and I wanted to play. And my mom went to go get a controller and what she came back with was a wireless controller. And let me just tell you, in the 80s, wireless shit didn't work. No bueno. Just didn't work. It just never worked. So she took that back, came back with a wire controller. Um, I just refused to do stuff wireless after that for a long time because I was like, it's inferior. It's always going to be inferior. There's never going to be any way it's going to work the same level as a wired product. Um, even all throughout playing like um, uh, Call of Duty online and stuff, I always played with a wired controller. Just obsessed with always having an actual wired connection to things and finally i I got a mac with a bluetooth keyboard and a bluetooth mouse yeah and aside from the fact that the bluetooth mouse uh only charges on the bottom so you can't possibly fucking use it while it's charging oh yeah uh i i love it i don't have to worry about the wires ever etc that's nice so then i went and got bluetooth headphones finally and was like, yeah, okay, you know, I, I, I get the value of this, and finally, I'm just playing with a wireless controller on my Xbox, and it's Look like, all you. right, it's all good now. I just had a childish like hatred because of one experience in the '80s. Mm-mm-mm. But I, I, I don't know, man. I think we're gonna get back to wires eventually. Because they're going to make wires look cool, right? Mm, yeah, that's true. I mean, if you think back to those early Apple like iPod commercials, those white wires on the earbuds were like a look. So yeah, you're not yeah. wrong so I, there. I'm saying they're going to come out with like silly wires and kids are going to be like, we love silly wires. And then like, <laughs> you know, a kid is going to get strangled with a silly wire and then they'll get banned, but that'll make them cool for the older kids. And then I'm just telling you, wires are coming back gonna be the cyberpunk wire look i think i've actually seen that black mirror episode with the silly wires <laughs> sure silly wires all right did you cancel your subscription to wired magazine as well <laughs> I, did. I was like fuck this in the <laughs> 80s <laughs> i'll tell you what though man i'm pretty sure that those early crappy wireless peripherals that we used back in the day were actually manufactured by big wire as a smear campaign against the oncoming wireless revolution. I'm pretty they sure. They knew what was coming, and they probably delayed it by eight to ten years by just pissing us all off when we were kids. Yeah, that's right, man. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, I get that, because I was also resistant to that uh, that wireless revolution there. And even to this day, I've still never owned a a wireless unit for guitar where i can just like wirelessly perform you know i can see why that would be a problem like in my mind i feel like when you're going for a particular tone and stuff you want to know there's a direct connection and the quality of the connection is not going to be affected by radio waves in the air yes. around you okay so here's an interesting thing and i'm so glad that you brought that up because that is a common concern and even with some bands that i played with on tour and stuff you know, if you're playing at a place where, like, I remember playing at one spot where my side of the stage was right next to, like, the fuse box and stuff for the venue. Uh -huh. And, like, if I stepped within five feet of it, my wireless uh, pack on my ears would cut out completely and I couldn't hear what I was playing. So 
you do have problems with that. And there are, I know guitar players listen to this podcast, so this is going to be guitar nerd talk for a second. I know <laughs> that like the common thing is like, there's some tonal change that happens when you go wireless, there's high end roll off and stuff like that. But one of the best kept secrets of some of the most legendary tone of all time is from a wireless unit. And this seriously is one of the best kept secrets ever. And I didn't know about this until uh, actually one of my students, Matthew, who plays for an awesome ACDC cover band in the Massachusetts area. He told me about this thing back in the day, all of those like classic ACDC tones, which some of the most like legendary sought after guitar tones ever were recorded using this wireless unit. It's like this tower thing. And there's a company now um, owned by a guy that goes by Solo Dallas that makes these wireless units that are exact copies of what they were using back in the day. And like the guys in Aerosmith started using them. I think the guys in Boston started using them. Like a lot of people started using this wireless unit because of the fact that I think to compensate for the fact that there usually is this like high end roll off and stuff like that that happens with a wireless box. Mm-hmm. They engineered it so that it would boost everything whenever you used it. It's almost like it overdrives the front of an old amp and stuff like this. So all of those classic like back and black tones and all that that you've heard your whole life were even recorded in the studio using this wireless box. Uh, It actually made the tone better. Wow. So there you go, man. Turns out there's some good stuff to say about going wireless. I get it, Steve. I get it. So what else you got on your list? So the next one that I have on my list, my number two right here, is actually some of the stuff we were just treading on right there when we were talking about the foods. Because I know that even though there are a handful of things that I've disliked my entire life, see ketchup, mustard, a lot of things like that, (laughs) the majority of the stuff that I love now, I'm not going to say the majority, a lot of the things that I love now and eat all the time used to be things that I hated. I used to hate IPAs. Like whenever I had IPAs the first time. Oh, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Same. Fucking hated him. I used to hate beer of any kind until oh, I, I, I went beer. Yeah, yeah. And well, it's like that changed whenever I went on tour, and you know the venue would give you a case of beer, and that was it. If you wanted to buy liquor, you'd have to buy it yourself. And of course, I had no money to buy liquor. I'm touring with a heavy metal band in a van, so I had to learn to like beer, and I developed a taste for that. I used to hate vegetables. I used to hate all kinds of stuff, man. Like as a kid, you know, it was like pasta, rice chicken fingers, plain meat, like plain. I just wanted plain, plain, plain stuff. And I've I've probably told this story before. I basically just wanted to not look like a picky little bitch eating food that my girlfriend, now my wife, was preparing for me, making an omelet full of like peppers and stuff like this, peppers and tomatoes, all this stuff I didn't eat. I didn't want to look like an awkward little geek that didn't want to eat that stuff. So... I tried eating it, and it got pretty good to me. And here I am now, loving a lot of stuff. I still am pickier than most people. I absolutely realize that. But even stuff like, man, I used to not eat hot stuff. I used to not eat anything that was remotely vinegary. Uh, There's a lot that changes. That's one of those things that you do hear that, you know, oh, your taste buds change over time. And I never believed that. I just kind of always thought that I would eat the way that I ate, and that's it. But, you know, due to necessity, due to making myself try things, I have expanded my palate greatly, greatly, greatly. And it's, you know, it's just one of those things that I never thought would happen because I was so fucking picky back in the day. Like, if you think I'm bad now, I mean, back in the day, (laughs) I I wouldn't, I wouldn't eat anything, man. 
So, yeah, no, you you just described it, and I was like, God, that would be oh. so hard as a parent. Dude, you I imagine? know. Well, and that's the thing, too, is like back in the day, you know, like I know a lot of really spoiled kids, you know, their, their parents would like make them a separate meal or whatever. Right. The, la- the lay of the land in my house is like, you know, if you don't like what mom's cooking, you can cook something else yourself. So that led to, you know, you can make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or you could, uh, I could, you know, boil water and make pasta for myself. And that's when that started, which in a way is kind of good. That's how I started learning how to cook. Sure. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, it really made me limit my my food vocabulary. But it's because right. I was so picky, I didn't want to eat whatever it was that mom made. So, yeah, man, it's it's crazy, the stuff that I could have missed out on. All the flavor sensations that wouldn't have been in my life if I didn't expand. And I'm so glad that I did. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. So, like, does your hatred of most fast food places stem from childhood, or is that a more recent development? I'm going to say that's probably more recent, honestly, because, like, as a kid, you know, I could go pretty much anywhere and get a plain burger or a plain chicken, which is, like, nowadays I think about it and I'm like, holy fuck, like, you couldn't get me to eat a burger without lettuce and tomato and some garden on right. there, you know, but back in the day, that was just the norm. So yeah, I think it's more recent where I'm just like, oh man, that stuff's just fucking poison for the most part. So I avoid it. Well, that's interesting. I I had always assumed that maybe you were like as a kid, well, though, I guess even, uh, even today you can still get something for every kid. Like even the pickiest kid, as you said, We'll go for a plain hamburger or something. A chicken nugget. Yeah. That a was chicken me as nugget. a kid. Yeah. Uh-huh. Is there anything yeah. that you like would not touch other than mayo when you were a kid that you like now that you were just repulsed by? Uh, yeah. I mean, this was a, a real quick turnaround, but like I, I didn't like um, cheese when I was little. I didn't like anything yellow. Like, oh. um, yeah, but that was like I got over that when I was like six. So it wasn't very long. Um, I didn't like fish, or at least I thought I didn't like fish. Yeah, that's most people. Um, and this is actually an interesting conversion to fish because the fish that growing up, the fish that was always in the house was my grandfather went fishing and he would catch, uh, uh, crappie and bluegill. Yep, yep that's and right. And then fry that up and it's not great. Yeah, I've had some fried crappy that was okay, but usually it it's just okay. it tastes like how a lake smells. Yeah, yeah, that was it. And also, it would be fried and greasy and oh, yeah. and like that. And like I know a lot of kids love fried and greasy, but I was I didn't like shit getting on my hands. And greasy food is, you know, gonna get all over your hands. Uh, so as a kid, I just didn't think I liked fish, and then. <laughs> Uh, kind of like you were saying with Kate, where you were like, you know, I don't, I don't want to appear like overly picky or whatever. My friend Charles, I think I was 18 by this point. My friend Charles was like, we're going to go get sushi. And I was like, well, okay. Cause I want to go hang out with everybody. And then, you know, we get there and, uh, the, our friend John had been there several times and he was like, here, here's the best stuff to get. Uh, and I was like, okay, I'll get that and got it and uh, it was like california roll and nigiri and a few other things and i tried the california roll first because the nigiri looked scary 
Yeah. Uh, and tried that California roll, and I was like, hmm, this is pretty good, man. This is all right. And then uh, I started trying other stuff. The nigiri finally got to it, and I was like, okay, this is dope. Um, where has this been this whole time? <laughs> uh, I really got into fish after that. Now I now I eat salmon uh, once to twice a week. Just um, I, I you know limit it because I don't want to get too much mercury. But uh, I would eat it every single day. If no I doubt, could. man. It's my, it's after that experience, were you like eighteen and fish just started? <laughs> yes, eighteen and fish, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I had a similar I experience, on a fish binge. dude. Because like right whenever I started, you know, again trying to disguise the fact that I was being a picky eater, which was just causing me stress and embarrassment for the most part in my life. I had some friends that I worked with at Walmart, Lee Bradley, and I think Sarah Shorter, maybe somebody else was there, but I think it was just those two. And uh, you know, they're like, "Hey, there's like a sushi place in Morristown now. We should go check it out." And so again, a yeah, I didn't want to appear uncool, so I went with them, and yeah, kind of the same deal. I think I probably had, like, a California roll and just some really basic stuff, but, like, dude, at that point, eating something with avocado in it or cucumber in it was adventurous to me, so it's like, even okay. though, you know, <laughs> California roll is, like, novice sushi 101, for me, that was even still an adventure at that point, point. and also, sushi is, again, one of those areas where I started... Uh, having a little bit of mayo on stuff because a lot of sushi rolls have oh, a yeah. little bit. That's right. Like, uh-huh. I'm okay with that. Bring it on. So maybe there's hope for me yet. That definitely. That is one of the things I'm always surprised by, the things that you don't like because yeah. the things that you do like are far more adventurous than the things that you don't like. Isn't that weird? Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's but, but whatever. I mean, cool. Uh. So this is my last one, Ben, right. and um, this is I, I'm I'm opening up my heart, people. I'm revealing myself Holy here, shit, and I'm apologizing. I'm coming to I'm you, coming hands out. on my knees, uh, hands on my knees. <laughs> That's how you apologize. <laughs> yep. Coming to you, hands on my knees, uh, feet in the air, just uh, tongue akimbo, hair parted sideways. What? Hair parted sideways, the way you do when you apologize. <laughs> Ben, I didn't used to care for Dolly Parton. I'm sorry. Wow. Whoa. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry, y'all. I, I wanted to reveal this when you were talking about uh, uh, dad music and mom music. This was, this was music that for some reason, for some reason, I don't remember my grandparents listening to or my mom listening to Dolly Parton growing up. Hmm. Interesting. And the only people I knew who listened to them were dumb. And I didn't realize until I got older and started listening to Dolly and listening to those lyrics and realizing, oh, the dumb people had it right. (laughs) I was wrong. I was way wrong. Yeah. I remember saying to my pal Jackson one time that I thought the Whitney Houston version of I Will Always Love You was better, and he looked at me with such shock. And I think, I think his opinion of me lowered about 50% that day. Wow. And I he was it. right to do it. He was right to do it. I was wrong. I was so wrong. Ben, here's what happened. I'm glad you've come around. I'm glad that you've come around. This happened the other night. I didn't even remember my Dolly 
dis dislike. I said hatred. I, 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 it wasn't a hatred. It was just like I didn't like Dolly Parton and didn't think about her. Yeah. At all. Um, but I, I thought about it the other night when I was listening to Jolene and just like my mind being blown by these lyrics. Uh, but it really hit me how wrong I was. The just a couple nights ago, I was listening to Nine to Five. Oh yeah, and I I want like here's the problem is that dumb people do listen to Dolly Parton. A lot mm -hmm. of real dumb people do listen to Dolly Parton and don't know what she's saying to them. Listen, the lyrics of not uh, those those are communist lyrics. <laughs> Dolly Parton takes down capitalism. It's true. In yeah. a happy little ditty. Yeah. This little toe tapping tune. They just use your mind and you never get the credit, she says. Yeah. That, it's enough I, to drive you crazy if you let it. It's enough to drive you crazy if you let it. The, Comrade Dolly is without a doubt <laughs> one of the saints of, of Tennessee. Oh, yeah. I absolutely love her i'm sorry as a child i was stupid i'm sorry i did not realize dolly please i apologize please forgive me take me back dolly take me back take you know me she back, will dolly. too man dude you i'll tell you what will. just in general if you ever find yourself on the opposite side of dolly you're probably on the wrong side of history like she has done so much man especially for any kind of like disaster relief in Tennessee, she has anonymously donated millions of dollars. She's donated tons of money to education. There yeah. is so much that she has done that she doesn't like go out and do a photo op and tweet about it and take credit for it. And be like, look at me. I'm doing no. good stuff. Like, no, she just does good because that's what you should do, especially if you're in an opportunity to help people. Dolly's helped a lot of fucking people. She sure has. She sure has. You know, just so that you don't feel ashamed about your former dislike of Dolly, I'm going to drop two on you oh. that are also personal uh -oh. shames of mine. This is unrelated to my list, but I just don't want you to feel like you're alone in the cold out there. I know you're cold because you didn't eat any box cake mix, so you're out there freezing. Yep. I used to not like Willem Dafoe. Oh. Isn't that weird? Like, I used yeah, to not that like that guy. weird, now that I think about it. Yeah. Like, I can get... I can get seeing Willem Dafoe and being a little weirded out by him. He's a weird looking not guy. not liking him. Well, here's he's, the thing. He's a strength. He's, and he's intense. Very. But I think it all comes around to, I think one of the first movies I saw with him in it was the, the Tobe Maguire Spider-Man. Yeah. Where he was he's the Green Goblin, right? <laughs> and in my head, as, you know, very, very, very into comic book Ben at that time, I was like, that's not what Green Goblin looks like. This guy looks weird. He looks crazy. I don't like this guy because he doesn't look like the comic book. It was expectation, man. Really fucked with me with that guy. And it made me, I think, just like generally irritated by him until I saw him in a lot of other stuff. And I was like, oh, what the fuck's the matter with me? Willem Dafoe's the shit. <laughs> He's guy's awesome. He's awesome. Yeah. But there for a He's long great. time, I didn't. And here's one, too. Oh, man. Am I ever going to get an earful about this one? Because this is something. Let's hear it. I don't even know if I've confessed to my wife. Oh, no. And there's probably a good reason for that, because she's probably going to slap me on the bottom in a bad way <laughs> whenever she hears oh, this. Oh, in a bad I was like, all right, so it's going to get sexy? Okay. <laughs> I used to not like Tim Curry. Okay. 
I used to not like Tim fucking Curry. From why? I don't know. Like, honestly, I don't know. I don't, because as a kid, I saw him in Home Alone 2. Right. Okay, so he's, he's not, I mean... Is he dislikable in that? He's just kind of Tim Curry in that. I know, right? And then yeah. I I saw him in the shadow. Okay. He's kind of like cuckoo nutty and stuff. Right. For some reason, I did not like the guy. Like honestly, I wow. don't know why. I can't even put my finger on any single event that would make me dislike Tim Curry. But for a while, did not enjoy that guy. And then suddenly it just clicked, and I'm like, oh no, he's the fucking best. Tim Curry's a treasure. Yeah. There for yeah, a while, that one's didn't uh, make sense to me. yeah. Like with Willem Dafoe, I was like, I guess I could see him being off-putting from the beginning. But Tim Curry, I don't get that one. That one's definitely a tough one because he's uh, he was in a ton of stuff. But like Legend, we've talked about before. Oh, amazing! Uh, yeah, he was he was in It in '90. He was in Clue though, uh, mm-hmm. which is the most important for me as a child because I watched it so many times mm-hmm. and loved everybody in it. Yeah. So. Yeah, that one is one for me. That's a leap. But I, I, I mean, look, these childhood things, you just don't know. You don't know why, like, anything could have been going on in the moment when you first saw him or whatever. And as a kid, you associate the two. Oh, and let's make it, it. more it interesting. Sticks. What if I was murdered in a past life by past life Tim Curry? <laughs> that's more like it. That's got to be it. It's the only explanation. <laughs> But then you delved further into your past life and found out it was justified, and you're like, all right. Okay, I was being yeah. kind of a dick, so. <laughs> yeah, I was being an asshole. Yeah, I get it, man. It's not on Tim Curry there. <laughs> well, man, I'm glad that you've come around to loving some Dolly. I think I also was probably a late in life, like, bloomer to, like, realizing how awesome she is just because I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know shit from Dick back then, you know? Well, we were in, like, I guess the thing is, like, if you're from this area... Dolly, it, like they talk about her a lot. You go to Dolly World, like Dolly World, <laughs> Dolly World, <laughs> Dollywood. You go to Dollywood, you know, uh, as sort of a local vacation. But it's always like, as a kid, for me, because Dollywood was local and we went there often, it felt less special. And oh it yeah, was like, oh, this is like cheap. Uh, Disney World, and now as an adult, I'd rather go to Dollywood than Disney World, by Hell far. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Especially now they got some sick coasters over there. Yeah, and it just smells great there. It does, it just right? It smells awesome, yeah. When are we going to get a Yankee Candle Dollywood smell? Because I would <laughs> yeah, fucking the, burn that, like, that motherfucker down. Yeah, it's it's that, like wood burning, but also like they have the pork rind station with the like... Uh, yeah, sausage and peppers. Yeah, oh man, just like, so bring good. Bring it, man. I want that smell. Uh huh. <laughs> All right, Steve. The last one that I have on my list. This is also more of a category than a singular thing. It encompasses a lot of things, but I think you'll get what I mean when I say, "I used to not like being a heathen, just a plum <laughs> heathen." Steve. Yeah. When I was a kid, I liked being like good. It. Now uh-huh. I want to be evil. I don't want to be good. No, not not really evil, honestly. Like, no. <laughs> The thing is, just the way that I grew up and with my mindset and my mentality, it's like, oh, you said a bad word? You should feel bad. Oh, you saw a boob? Maybe try feeling bad. And it's like, dude, life is so much better when you feel good. It's a good thing. As long as you ain't hurting nobody, just feel good. Drink you a cold beer. Smoke you a doobie. 
Whatever you want to do. A, as a kid, I was cool with the cussing and seeing boobs, but like, I did have this like, this but just strong belief that sex was special. Yeah. As a kid, where it was like, no, he's you have to be very careful who you have sex with, and I think it had to do with like the AIDS education we got at, from like the moment you became sentient in the eighties. It oh, was yeah. like, you're gonna get AIDS! Well, plus oh, we no! live in, like, the heart of abstinence-only equal sex yes. education, yeah. which it doesn't. Yeah. So, um, I, I now am the complete opposite. I'm like, no, just have sex and figure it out after that. Like, Be responsible is- about it. Make sure somebody else wants to have sex with you first. Yeah, make sure you both want to have sex. Uh, make sure you both don't want to have kids, so you're both using all the appropriate things to not have kids. Make sure you're clean, put on a condom, get it going, though. Yeah, for real, man. Well, and it's one of those things, too, man, where, like, I I vividly remember, you know, those moments where I smoked pot for the first time or got fucking hammered for the first time or lost my virginity or whatever, and it was all these moments where it's like, it's never going to be the same now. I've changed. And then you, you do it and you're like... entity. Yeah, then you do it and you're like, no change. That was fun. Yeah, same <laughs> dude. Just had fun for yeah, once. Yeah, exactly. So Pulled why the stick is this out of bad? my little ass. Yeah. For real, man. So like nowadays, I just love being a heathen and I feel bad about something if I do somebody wrong, which I try my best to not do, but nobody should feel bad about doing something that you should feel fucking good about. I feel like embracing having fun and embracing doing, you know, uh, the whatever is both uh, uh, fun for me and not harming anyone else. Precisely. Embracing that has has definitely um, made it far less likely that I will be insulting or mean to someone. No doubt. Like when you're when you're that asshole who has a judgment about everything everyone's doing. You're being a dick most of the time. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So it's a whole lot easier when you're having a fun time to not also be a dick. It really is. It really, really is. And I think that more people would, would have a good time if they just let go of a lot of that bullshit. So somebody wants to be gay. Who cares? Yeah. Who fucking cares? Like all of this stuff is wrapped up in what I'm talking about where it's like, man, the shit that we were taught to worry about as kids, it don't fucking matter. It really doesn't. It doesn't. The world's changed, and uh, for the better, by far, I Thanks, think. Biden. Hopefully... Thanks, Biden. Thanks, <laughs> Biden. <laughs> well, he did it. Uncle Joe. He changed everything. Well, he bombed Syria, and it fixed stuff. Oh, my God, man. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, that, I'm, I'm glad. Uh, change is awesome. It's, it's a good thing, especially when it makes life for everybody else other than you better, too. It's a good thing. Yeah, 100%. So yay for being a heathen. Yay for growing <laughs> and enjoying things that you used to not enjoy. Just like our homegirl, K-Stew, what stars in Under Water, the subject of today's episode. Steve, when did you see this movie a first time? Uh, around the time uh, that it hit the on demand. Because I, I heard... You know, uh, there were obviously a lot of bad reviews. Um, it, it it's sitting at like fifty ish percent on Rotten Tomatoes, really? which yeah, which doesn't even like Rotten Tomatoes. Like a positive review can still be full of negative. <laughs> so like anyway, 
but the people that I follow on Twitter that write about horror that I actually listen to uh, liked it. And so I I checked it out as soon as I could. I like Kristen Stewart and um, seemed seemed interesting premise to me. And uh, I, I got way into it pretty quickly because it doesn't give you time to be bored. No, not at all, man. There is really no dead space in this movie whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, I watched this the first time maybe like a month and a half, two months ago, something like that. It hit streaming and stuff, and I was like, we might as well give this a try. I heard it's kind of like a underwater, obviously, like Cthulhu movie. And yeah. I was like, okay, yep. count me in. I got to find out about that. I believe that you had told me that you watched it and you enjoyed it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was one of those nights where, you know, I think we'd had some food and we were like, let's watch a movie before we go to bed. What do you want to watch? I don't know. I heard this is okay. And we put it on and we were both just like, man, I'm really enjoying this. This is fucking cool. It's one of those that I didn't really have any expectations for because I hadn't heard much about it from other people other than you. So my expectations were very neutral. So going into it, it's like we watched it and it was like, man, this really gets right to the point. This has some really great effects in it. I love the subject yeah. matter and the setting, and uh, I really, really dug it. So whenever we decided to do it for the show, I was already excited to watch it again, even though it had only been maybe six or seven weeks since the first time that I saw it. Because right. I knew that I would enjoy it, and I knew it wouldn't take up a whole night to watch. It's a pretty brief right. movie. It's pretty quick, yeah. Yeah, and I just wanted to relive some of those uh, particular scenes in this movie that stand out to me. So I was excited to do it again, man, even though I just saw it for the first time pretty recently. I think it's pretty badass, man. Now, this movie was actually made, I think, in 2017, right? It was. It was. It was filmed. Uh, they finished filming in May of 2017. So you got to think of post-production is definitely going to be a, a bit because they, you know, have to include all of the sea creatures, the the deep ones and Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. Um but beyond that, uh, it should have been out at least by 2018, I would think. For sure. But uh, there were basically, uh, there's some issues I, I couldn't really drill down to exactly what was going on. Uh, one of the issues may have been that uh, T.J. Miller, um, the accusations of uh, uh, assault, sexual oh. assault came out about him from 2000 or 2001 okay see i didn't know about any of this stuff like yeah. i saw in some reviews where people are like oh yeah this came out before tj miller flushed his career down the toilet and i was like what are they talking about because I, I hadn't heard about any of this that's the deal right uh, well that happened in late 2017 okay so that's around the time they may have been considering releasing it and probably one of the reasons it got pushed off. Uh, he has since had other problems. I mean, he had issues with... I didn't get the full extent, but definitely harassing uh, his uh, female co-workers on Ugh. Silicon Valley. Not cool. Yeah. So anyway, he, he's had other issues uh, that may have continually delayed it. But also, Disney was in the process of buying 20th Century Fox. Yeah. And this is a 20th Century Fox movie. So maybe some of that was a, a bit of the delay. And Suddenly they have this horror movie in their hands. They're like, we don't know what to do with this. 
Right. But then they also released uh, a movie with a 50 to $80 million budget. Couldn't get a, a clear figure on that. Um, they released it in January, which is the graveyard. Like, that's where you dump big movies that you don't think have a chance. Yeah, totally. So they pretty much didn't think it had a chance anyway, and it, it made $40 million. Um, but again, it, it came out in January of 2020 when a pandemic was already raging in China. Yeah. Everybody's attention was kind of elsewhere, huh? A lot of ticket sales come from China. So this may have done a lot better were it not for the pandemic. But it also, uh, yeah, it, it had so many delays on it because uh, I think probably because of TJ Miller's presence. Um yeah, he's he's kind of fucked his career entirely. What a dummy! I I, I don't know. It, it's unfortunate because he is funny. Yeah, DJ totally. Miller is, is funny. He's he's obviously uh, like in this. He's the the source of any bit of of levity. Yeah, nobody he's else is funny. Yeah, yeah. Everyone else is is deadly serious about it, as you would be, and that that's entirely understandable. And of course. At least one person would probably have that gallows humor type of thing going on. I'll tell you what, though, man. This this blows my mind because now I'm starting to think, like, what are you doing here? You're saying that, like, comedians have problems? <laughs> They're funny. They're yeah. supposed to be fun and in a good mood all the time. This is kind of rearranging my universe here. Yeah, it's it's almost like people use humor to mask a lot of darkness sometimes. Impossible. Yeah. I don't know. I've never heard of the the like. <laughs> but, but we also got, you know, we got K-Stu in here kicking ass. She's been acting since she was eight years old. She knows what she's doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We got Vincent Cassell, uh, who you probably know from, from stuff. Like, uh, if, you, if you're if you looking at him, Ben ben had this, like, I know that guy from Thing type, type of thing. Totally. Uh, He's in Oceans 12 and 13. Uh, he's in Brotherhood of the Wolf. He's in Eastern Promises. He's in Black Swan. The guy shows up all over the place. Let me ask you this. And plays a French guy all the time. Okay, that's literally what I was going to ask. He looks French. Is uh-huh. he French? He is very French, yeah. I knew it, dude. <laughs> like You can just look yeah. at the guy and be like, oh, yeah, you're definitely French. I don't even know what it is about him, but he just looks like somebody <laughs> who'd be from France. Put a beret on that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, very French. Uh, we got Mamadou Ati, who plays Rodrigo, who meets a very violent end, um, as does T.J. Miller. John Gallagher Jr., Liam Smith, he was in 10 Cloverfield Lane and okay. the Belko Experiment, so two other movies we'll see him in. I guess that's where I recognize him from, is 10 Cloverfield Lane. Man, that movie's so cool. Yeah, it's really good, yeah. Uh, Jessica Henwick, um, Emily. Yeah. I have a particular affinity to pretty ladies named Emily, so I was uh, I was enamored with her character. I thought she was great, mm-hmm. uh, and she turns out to be you know kind of like the she's kind of the the underdog protagonist. Like she's she's the one who we're kind of rooting for at the end because she's drug her. Uh, dying boyfriend across the bottom of the ocean and like she this isn't even her thing she's just a research assistant like she's faced all her fears yeah whereas 
you know, Kristen Stewart's doing that too. And she is definitely our protagonist, but Emily's like this secondary protagonist that's also going through all the same things and being tough when she never expected to be in this situation. Oh yeah. And like I said, literally having to drag her drag her dude across the fucking floor of the ocean. Yeah. Insane. Uh, but you may remember her as one of the Sand Sisters from Game of Thrones. There we go. I knew I knew her from something, man. Like I was like, I know her face from something that I've seen. Yeah. She's got a number of credits. Uh, she's also in The Force Awakens uh, briefly, too. But, uh, yeah, that that's the one that um, stood out to me. Like, oh, right, that's who that is. Hmm. Uh, yeah, that, and that's the entirety of the cast, other than uh, a voice that we hear on a recording. Like, that is the whole cast. Yeah, pretty tight, man. Pretty tight cast in this. And I can't say that anybody sucks. I think everybody does no, they nail a it, good man. job, and they're very believable in this flick, mm-hmm. man. And here's the thing about this. Um, one of the biggest complaints that I saw about this movie from people that don't like it is that the characters lack depth. Like, they didn't get enough out of them. It's like you didn't have the guy who's a hothead. You didn't have the one guy that's the chef and the guy who's the pyrotechnics expert. Like you didn't have all these super over the top cliches of characters is one of the big negative things that I heard about this movie. And it's like, well, dude, if you're talking about people who have lived their lives and worked and studied enough to be working at this fucking research drilling thing at the bottom of the fucking ocean yeah, they're there to work. They're people that are like engineers and surveyors. And <laughs> yeah. Not over-the-top, crazy, cliche character types. Also, here's a flaw. When you have a villain that is an extra-dimensional being that uh, has an army of aquatic humanoid fish men... Do you don't need internal struggle for there to be fear, especially when you're at the bottom of the fucking ocean? Yeah. Also, when would they ever have time for any of that? When would they ever right. sit down to do that? The the fact that the movie runs at a brisk pace and continues to have action moment to moment is why I like it. Me too. If it stopped constantly to be like, actually, let's argue about this decision, it would be like, oh, okay. Yeah, or let's have flashbacks to my time before I was an engineer at the bottom of the ocean. Right. Like, that would be so ridiculous. You would not get anything out of it either like it would just be like a frustration keeping you from dealing with the actual issue of being at the bottom of the mariana trench let me just describe what that would be kind of (laughs) like if you were to put mount everest at the bottom of the mariana trench it would still be over a mile away from the surface of the water holy shit uh sitting in a room right now you're sitting in a room. There's about 14.7 pounds per square inch of, of force on your body. Okay. 14.7 pounds doesn't feel like much of anything. Mm-mm. If you were at the bottom of the Mariana Trench, which you as might it says, be a redneck. You that's might where that's be going, redneck, right? By God. <laughs> <laughs> if you were at the bottom of the Mariana Trench, which is, as I say, seven miles down, it's actually 6.825 or something like that. But I, if you're that far down, you can say seven. Um, the atmospheric pressure is 16,000 pounds per square inch. That sure is a lot. That would be like 
2,600 pounds sitting on your fingernail. Jesus. <laughs> Ouch. I wouldn't like that. So the, the, the absolute vast nothingness of the ocean is sitting on top of you, and your complaint is... The characters weren't developed enough. It's Seriously. Like, are you not feeling constant fear in this movie? Because I am. Yeah, right? It's like, like, oh, like so nerve-wracking. I bet you these same people that made these complaints were the same people that didn't like Rogue One for the same reason, where they're like, there wasn't enough over-the-top hijinks in Rogue One. It's like, well, no shit. Like, both of these movies are about ordinary people who end up in extraordinary situations and get ground up in the gears. That's just what this is. Yep. I was telling you while we were planning this out, like, I feel like most of people's complaints about this movie are them just wanting it to be fucking Disney's Atlantis instead. And you can just go watch that <laughs> if you want to. And that, even, that movie exists, yeah. And so it's good. Go check that I out. Mean, have, it's good, just yeah, go it's and fun. have a good time to watch that. Watch Atlantis. Yeah, this is this is a movie. Yeah, about people putting in an extraordinary situation with a very small amount of time to deal do anything in a very small window window of possibility of escape. Yeah, there is no time. No, huh? And one thing that I really like about it too is like, and, and again, I, I want to cover all the the alien comparisons. I want to talk about that too. But one thing that I think makes this movie cool is that unlike Alien, where you you know, you know catch up with this ship full of people that have been together for quite a while on this mission, in this, you have people from different departments of this whole operation just running into each other. Like, yeah. they don't know each other. They're like, what do you They're do? The stragglers that happen to survive, that happen to be able to get away in the right moment and not get crushed by the... Yeah, <laughs> inf- dude. ...unfathomable amount of pressure that that would be. I can't imagine. It would be so yeah. quick. You'd die so quick, but it would hurt in that brief moment. <laughs> and, dude, that's the thing, man, is, like, you got to think, an operation of this scale is going to involve hundreds of people. Yeah. And it's going to involve oh, people that are never going to come into contact with each other. Dude, like, when I worked at Walmart, like, I didn't know the guys that were fucking cutting meat in the butcher shop. Like, right. that's just how these situations are. So, like, I think it makes it more interesting that these characters are coming together and not knowing each other inside and out. Like, they don't know really anything about each other. They just know we have to survive and try to get through this. I think that makes it better, honestly. Yeah, there's a total dependence on each other that they had to recognize before even going there. Yeah. You know, let's talk about the the alien comparisons here, because, again, this is one of the biggest complaints that I see about this movie is people being like, well, unlike Alien, it didn't do this, or it did this, and that's just like Alien, blah, blah, blah. Kate and I were talking about this earlier because she liked the movie a lot, too, and... Okay, here's the deal. Yeah. When you really start getting down to it, there's so many stories that you could just be like, well, yeah, that's just like that other story. Like, every romantic comedy is the same fucking movie. Oh, they're, they're all just like every romantic comedy, yeah. Yeah, like, you could say at its core, The Shining is like a lot of other haunted house movies. What's oh, your fucking point? Yeah. So what? So what? Yeah, exactly, like, there man. are only a few ways to tell stories, and there are only a few stories to tell. Uh, isn't it about the individual humanity of each story and the individual ways in which each story plays out? Like that, for real, we're being entertained. We're not like. <laughs> well, I mean, what what unique story is it that people want to happen? 
For real, I man, don't right? know. Like, it isn't the point of a horror movie, especially an action horror movie like this, to make you feel a, a, a sense of dread throughout and to make you feel like excited for all of the action that's happening. And this does that constantly for me. Like, oh, yeah. When they're getting, like, when uh, just, I, I want to break this down real quick. The first 23 minutes of this movie, Ben. In the first 19 minutes of the movie, we've already been introduced to the entire situation, given a, an entire, like, full sense of the stakes. We've in, been introduced to all of the characters. Within two minutes of all of the characters meeting, the entire group dynamic is established. The necessity of the journey is made clear. And then another minute laying out the plan and then the dangers reestablished by the gurgling noise and a crashing of the room. And then they're off to put on suits and get out into the bottom of the ocean. 23 minutes. That's brisk. They've done all of it. And it's never stopped. It's been motion, motion, motion. Like, it is amazingly quick and, and tight and does exactly what you want an action horror movie to do. And then when they put those suits on and... Like, the way they portray it is so perfect. Like, the way Emily is kind of a little hyperventilating and um, uh, TJ Miller's character, Paul, like, he's pouring water over himself. Like, those suits would be hot and tight and claustrophobic. Like, honestly, there'd be no such suit. Like, you, you need about five inches of, of steel sure. to protect yourself from the pressure at that level. So those those suits wouldn't even be that light. But, like, the way they portray that, I started getting this sort of, like, hyperventilating feeling and feeling like, oh, my God, once they go down there, that's it. Like, you're down there. Yeah. There's no, like, oh, let's turn back or, like, you're down there. You're at the bottom of the ocean. You are at the mercy of everything. No kidding, man. No and, kidding. And, and then immediately as they're going down the elevator, the first person dies. Like, and it's violent as shit. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. Like, like, the movie doesn't take a second ever. And it, I, I yeah, I, I am with you. I don't get the criticisms. I get watching this movie and seeing comparisons with other movies. But it's like, here's the thing. You're a 45-year-old movie reviewer. And you're like, Alien's the best movie that was ever made. Because when I saw it, I was five. Yeah, I saw it as a kid. Yeah, I've known yeah, this movie my whole life. Like, Alien just came out of nowhere. It was built whole cloth by a genius man who must have flown from the skies and had no <laughs> inspirations. Like, it, it's ridiculous. Yes, it, it pays homage to Alien. Yes, it pays homage to The Thing. And it pays homage to a million yeah, other action movies and, and horror movies of the time of the 80s and 90s. But it's 2020, y'all. That yeah. shit's old. Yeah, dude, there's this people that were <laughs> in the theater watching this because they like Kristen Stewart that have never fucking seen Alien that wouldn't know it if Sigourney Weaver was sitting in the seat fucking next to them. Right, and if they do see Alien now, they'll be like, oh, oh, I get it. Wow, this is really cool. This is like underwater, but like, you know, tenser. Yeah, <laughs> it's just I like, get it, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, it, it's totally that, that thing? it's totally that Greta Van Fleet thing where it's just like, wow, they sound like Led Zeppelin. 
Also, a lot of kids listening to them have never heard Led Zeppelin, so maybe this will get them to go back and listen to fucking Led Zeppelin. Cool. Yep. That's a win-win for me, you know? Yep. And if they don't go back and listen to Led Zeppelin, what are they really missing? They got it, right? Through Greta Van Fleet. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know exactly know about that. I don't know if I'd go that far, but, you no, know. I mean, I mean, obviously, it's it's a different version, but it's like, do we always have to, like, revere the past can we not just like be like okay this is the new version of that and if you don't listen to the old version okay who gives a shit like it's just like i i don't i guess my life i really don't want to ever be that old guy's like you don't get it yeah i just don't (laughs) like that it's like no they do get it you don't get it old guy they got it and they moved on right Right. (laughs) (laughs) But this movie is self-aware enough to know, yes, people are going to compare this to Alien. Yes, we have a claustrophobic team of people that are on a mission dealing with an unknown creature that's attacking them. Yes, that's kind of alien-y. And they obviously put it in the movie where you have stuff like, you have some low-rise briefs in the movie. How about that? Yeah, she's walking around those low-rise. But again, there's a reason for that. Yeah, it's hot in them things. Jesus. Yeah, it's hot and the the pants wouldn't even fit because, again, they're super tight. Exactly. To go into this being like, I'm going to be in this and I'm going to go full force and I'm going to walk around in a tiny little underwear and uh, t-shirt combo and people are going to be judging me for being too thin or not being thin enough and like to just put herself out there and be like that throughout the movie and for it's not meant to be sexy i was gonna say yeah yeah i never really got the vibe right there that in this movie they were trying to like really over sexualize her like or or put that in there for that reason right and yeah there's other alien homages in there there's that part where they capture like the little young kind of um what, what what are they called? Deep one, like the little young deep one that they like flop down on that white like backlit table. Like that's exactly, uh-huh. literally that's exactly like alien. Yeah. alien, where they put the face hugger on the thing. Like exactly, it, it's yeah. self aware. It's not saying it is. I'm the most original movie that's ever been made. You never seen anything no, like it's this. It's not trying to be that. I feel like they knew people were gonna compare it to Alien. And here's the thing about it, man. And again, like this is for me wading through a bunch of negative YouTube reviews and IMDb reviews and stuff like that. It's just such a total catch-22 where, you know, this one guy's review that I watched, it was a super in-depth thing. He went in being like, oh, yeah, it's really trying to be a lot like Alien, blah, blah, blah. Unlike Alien, it didn't start with, you know, this day in the life of the crew, like how Alien starts with like 30 or 40 minutes of just like normal stuff with this crew. The guy was complaining about that. We learn who all the characters are. Yeah. There's a lot of of downtime with them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, this guy was critiquing it for that. But I feel like even if this movie would have started with that same scenario, that guy's review would have been, oh, they started out just like Alien, building character depth? What a bunch of morons. It's just like, there's no pleasing anybody if all you're going to do is compare this to some other movie that it's like, okay, hostile environment, unknown creature, people on a job. That could describe a lot Jaws. of fucking things. Yeah, it's, seriously. It's like That's it's Jaws. the same thing. I mean, and honestly, you're talking about Alien being made in this vacuum. No, it wasn't. Ridley Scott said it was Jaws in space. Exactly. Exactly the point. Yeah. Like it's none of these movies have ever come out of uh, like someone's mind whole cloth. They're always drawing from other things. Yeah. And this is just drawing from that. Is it? very similar sure was aliens very similar to jaws 
if you sure. look at it right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they were much closer in timeline. This is 40 years later. No shit, right? Yeah. Give it a damn break, man. Yeah, because I just think you're just going to fail as soon as you start trying to draw those comparisons. You'll either hate it because it's different than Alien, or you'll hate it because it's too similar to Alien. And yeah. I think that's just not really giving this thing um, a fair shot because it is it is pretty fucking different, man. I mean, for one, we're kind of delving into using Earth as the setting rather than space. And this is one of those things, man, that to me yeah. is so fucking scary. The fact that they're at scarier. the bottom of the ocean. I hate the ocean. I hate large aquatic life. <laughs> All right. these things freak me out. And the idea of being down at the depths of our own planet in the dark, not being able to see 10 feet away from my face, knowing that literally any malfunction in my suit or ship that I'm in could spell my instant demise yep. is so terrifying. And here's the thing, too, man. Like, using the planet Earth's oceans as opposed to outer space, the thing that's so fucking freaky about it to me is that you could be in a spaceship and fly around in deep space for a light year and not meet any living creature. Whereas yeah. if you're down at the depths of the ocean, it's teeming with life. And it's teeming with stuff that you've never seen that wants to eat you. And it's on our planet. Like, that to me is so fucking scary. Like, space is scary because it's unknown. The ocean is scary because I know that it's unknown. Like, I know there's stuff down there we don't know about. And that freaks the fuck out of me, man. That's that's why. Um, okay, so right after Rodrigo's suit implodes, Ugh, brutal, which is so brutal and just like can't imagine. Because like, uh, not only would it be shocking that it suddenly happened, but also like the impact of the explosion caused by his his oxygen. Uh, is huge and would have probably given them concussions like and now you still have to do everything like yeah. your brain is all fucked up uh but she she walks out on that platform right after that and just looks out and it's nothingness nothing there dude just black empty nothingness and it's the perfect moment of just this like right after the suit imploded showing exactly how the pressure can be devastating she also establishes the absolute darkness of it all. So, like, again, this movie is quickly doing everything very efficiently without the exposition. Yep. And, dude, again, that's another complaint that I saw from people. They're like, all this, all the scenes where they're on the bottom of the seafloor, it's just too damn dark. You can't see what's going on. <laughs> like, should there have been a lamppost be down dark. there? What are you talking <laughs> yeah. about? And it makes what it if... better, dude. Like, the fact that they can't clearly see where they are, like, it's kind of that effect that you get whenever you're in a snowstorm, like a true snowstorm, where it's like, you can turn left and not know that you're going to the left. Or if you're out, you know, in the middle of the ocean, you lose your sense of direction. Right. This is that exact same way, where considering you can't even see the person that's walking in front of you, if you get separated, you're fucked. And that is yes. so scary to me, dude. Yes, it's frightening. I, I like, and that's the thing for me is that every bit of this is frightening without the creatures. And then no you add in the creatures. Yeah. And boy, that they do a very similar thing to Alien where they take a long while to actually reveal the the deep ones. I mean, we see the baby one, but we don't see a big one. And then uh, a, an even longer while to reveal Cthulhu, which yeah. is 
this is unexpected to me. I did not know exactly where this was going. I had heard this was Lovecraftian, uh, but I did not know how that was going to happen. And when they went straight Cthulhu and the Deep Ones, it was just like, what? Wow. And also, like, it's like that's just a a small bit of the movie. Like the fear of the movie isn't just that, like to go that hard and to also not make the focus of the movie, like how awesome Lovecraft was. Like Mm -hmm. it really is just like Lovecraft created these really cool monsters and we just used them. And that's it. Yeah. And I love the fact that like, I mean the same way that we talked about, you know, secret witch movies or secret cult movies. I don't know yeah. of a secret cosmic horror movie other than this one. <laughs> like, yeah. turns out it was Cthulhu. <laughs> Although they never name him Cthulhu. No. Like, nobody yeah, out there is like, holy shit, H.P. Lovecraft was right. This is real. Like, it's never name dropped by anybody. I don't know if that means that in this universe, Lovecraft, the Doesn't awesome exist. author but horrible racist that we shouldn't celebrate his personal ways in any way shape or form which is why we call it cosmic horror <laughs> exactly like i don't know if that means in this universe he didn't exist so they don't recognize that as cthulhu or yeah. if it's just that none of them knew what that was i don't know yeah i yeah i think they just uh, this is a universe basically where they have no idea i would love to i know we're never gonna get a follow-up to this but i would love to have seen a follow-up Me maybe too, where man. they're they're you know explore that more but you know that's just not gonna happen but uh, it it is definitely something that we could have more of like we and we're getting it i th- well now again it's all like everything is everybody's going for lovecraft we need more uh, cosmic. Like Annihilation did cosmic horror pretty good. Um, this does it uh, more succinctly and more action packed. I'd like to see more. Like instead of Richard Stanley doing Color Out of Space, Richard Stanley doing something in that vein, but not having to connect so hard to Lovecraft. Yeah, yeah, I get that, man, and I totally do think that there is potential for sequels and building this world out and stuff where we did have the two survivors that made it up to the top and we did have the stuff in the credits that shows that TN Industries which PSTN Lovecraft TN it's right there in the name it shows that they're covering the whole thing up and resuming drilling like imagine if there's a movie where we get the two survivors trying to you know publicly expose this company for covering up the deaths of all these people that fought hard for them to make it to the surface and then at the same time they unearth some other fucking horrible creature from the depths and it comes up to land. Like, you don't have to put it underwater. That'd be the same movie again. It can be on land, underwater part two, you know? Absolutely. The the deep ones uh, can do that. Like, they they have, uh, like, a pact with humans at a certain point and they're trying to create, like, a human deep one hybrid. And they Ooh. also worship... They worship uh, Hydra and Dagon as well, so you yeah, don't dude, even have like in. you don't even have to bring Cthulhu back. Like you can say, "Oh, he died." Yeah, he in got blown this, up. You saw in it. this cosmic horror universe, they can die. Yeah, I'm totally. But that cool does kind of undercut them a little bit. Well, that's the thing too about that character design because I saw some people complaining that, well, it's kind of lame that the the character designs of these you know underwater creatures they have legs. And it's like, if you lived at the bottom of the ocean, you wouldn't have legs. And it's like, 
that's because they're supposed to be able to go on land. Like that's how yeah. unfathomable these creatures are. They can exist they can at the both. bottom of the ocean or come up on land and be powerful as fuck. Like to me, the the illogical nature of that design to give these things arms and legs makes it freakier to me. Yes, I agree with that. I and again, like. You know, normally in Lovecraft's writing and in most cosmic horror, the horrors are representing this incomprehensible power that uh, barely has any recognition of, if any at all, uh, humans. They're not interested in our existence or non-existence. They're just apathetic to us entirely. Um, But that that doesn't make for great horror movies. A horror movie kind of needs the, the villain to want to kill you yeah, <laughs> rather than simply existing and that being enough. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Jaws does it well. Like man versus nature is a tale as old as time. Like the completely impartial, uncaring um, nature of nature, if that makes sense, of yeah. animals and nature that don't care if you live or die that's terrifying because that's something humans can't relate to. And I think that that that's what this movie does a good job of is portraying Cthulhu and the deep ones as simply being imposed on by these humans. Yeah. They are not like, they're not like some massive force that's here to, to get back at the humans or whatever. It's just like, Oh, they're in our way. We're, I mean, we're just a force of nature in the ocean and this is in our way. I don't know, though, because whenever that one of the deep ones is attacking, I think it's Kristen Stewart, it does try to give her a Psycho Gorman-style hero's death and expands that jaw out <laughs> and puts her whole bubble head in its mouth. He He's trying to give try her, the hero's, give her death. a hero's death. That's true. You know? So I'm thinking he was about to swallow her up and just spit out all the blood like Psycho, Psycho Gorman. Gorman is so good. God damn it. It's so good, man. I love the character design in this, though, like the creatures and stuff, where they have this, like, rows and rows and rows of teeth and these like webbed hands but at the same time because of the darkness of underwater you never get a clear view exactly of what you're looking at right Um, like you never really see cthulhu full on it's all these like what the fuck am i looking at and that's the thing about it too man like if you're truly doing the cosmic horror thing the way these cosmic entities look is supposed to just be unfathomable to the human yeah, mind. Yeah, indescribable. Yeah. Like, they try to insane. describe it, but it's always, like, not enough. Is basically, Yeah, the authors are always, like, mad that they can't describe the thing, and yeah. it's driving their insanity because they can't fully grasp it. Yeah, and the way that this movie never really fully shows you what the creature looks like is for the better, because you're not supposed to be able to understand what it looks like. So there's a lot of shots in this where you see Cthulhu like way off in the distance. Like there's that one part where Kristen Stewart like shoots that flare off and it just vaguely sort of lights up sort yes. of a form and you that see was awesome. kind of eyes and teeth, but you're not really sure. Holy yeah, shit, there man. Are two, you can see that he has two eyes on that right side. So you assume two on the left side to so four eyes, I guess. Yeah. So he's a nerd. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, my God, mm-hmm. I didn't think about that. He's probably got terrible <laughs> allergies. He's probably down there at the bottom of the ocean to get away from all that pollen and stuff up top. <laughs> that's it. I'll tell you what, though. Now that I think about it, all that pressure you were talking about that's on them, that's how he built up them guns. Because, like, he's kind of jacked. He's kind of <laughs> he ripped. Jacked. 
And yeah. honestly, <laughs> if you're talking about having eight tons of pressure on you per square inch, dude, you do one push-up, you're set for life. You're shredded. Goku learned about this. We all know. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. Gonna so be working easy. out under there, boy, it don't take much to get shredded. Tell you that. <laughs> I bet whenever he gets up to the surface, he gets lazy and starts eating chips and stuff. He gets like kind of fat. <laughs> like fat Cthulhu. Fat. Yeah, it's just like, oh, you guys want to take over the dimension or something? Chomp, 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 chomp. <laughs> <laughs> I think that you're right, man. No, I, I love the character design, though. I think that it's really cool, and I love the way they uh, portray a lot of these things. Like, even at the very end there, whenever there's a huge explosion that she triggers at the base, and he's kind of, like, crawling to get away from it. Yes. And he's, like, that fucking was cool. 400 feet tall, but he's still fast. That's scary as shit. He looks tiny then in comparison. I, I love that because up to this point, we've only seen him as gigantic as he is. But then when we like zoom out and see this huge explosion, like he looks big, but he looks small. Like they finally put him in perspective of like how deep these depths are. And it's just like, he's so small from that distance. Oh yeah. And still gigantic. Like, yeah. And they built up how is big he is too. to fathom. Whenever we have that scene where they're walking across that walkway underneath all that like red light and stuff, and you see all the deep ones like hanging down uh-huh. from something, then you realize they're like, um, what are those fish that attach to sharks? Oh, I, right. I can't yeah, remember yeah. what those are. Remora? Yeah. Something like that? Mm hmm. Yeah. And they, they just like feed off uh, parasites and yeah. stuff off of them and keep them clean, basically. So the shark's cool with it. Yeah. Yeah. And like you realize. That's how big he is, is he's got these motherfuckers dangling off of him. Dude, yeah. it's so yeah, fucking scary. Yeah, that was actually real gross to me because yeah. some of them were coming out of, like, holes in his skin, uh, which yeah. is a disgusting thought to me. They're but, like uh, yeah. cosmic blackheads. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I loved that, though. Like, that yeah. that whole reveal and seeing them, like, come out of, like, off of him and stuff. It was just like, whoa, what? Like, he's got this army of Deep Ones worshipping him and attacking anything around that, that threatens him. It's... It, it is just a real dope moment. I like that. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, those creatures and those explosions and everything are, I'm sure, 99, if not 100% CG, and they look great. Like, I think the effects in this look fantastic. And, you know, again, it's because we don't clearly see everything because you've got all this environmental, like, I don't even know what they call it. It's like that dust that falls at the bottom of the ocean. Right. Detritus. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's obscuring your view exactly of what you're seeing. And uh, I think that's very smart that they did it that way. That way you don't clearly see that these are totally fabricated CGI characters. I never once in my head was just like, oh, that looks fucking fake, you know? Right, yeah. They 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 keep all the CGI stuff underwater, aside from the, you know, baby thing. Yeah. I imagine they had something practical for Surely that. Surely that was and a pop it with CGI, yeah. Kind of glossed it, it up a little bit. yeah. But it, yeah, it, I, I'm with you. Like the way that they did the CGI, it looks great because it's so like shadowed and shaded and like you can't really see through the thickness of the haze. And it, it I, man, I really don't have a problem with this movie. I see that it's not like the greatest horror movie ever made or anything. It doesn't have like, there's no real like, 
extremely building tense moments other than say when they're dragging the boyfriend in and as you said the the deep ones are hanging down there like yeah. sleeping that's like the one major like tense like horror movie moment other than all the other natural tension that was going on uh but i just don't see i don't see the issues with this i i, I know. just don't know how people didn't watch this and have fun I know, right? Like, like to me, it's about as good as it as it could have been. Like, I don't think right, that. Yeah, it's exactly what this movie could be. Yeah, yeah. I can't think of much you'd add in that would make this better. Exactly. You know, I think it knew what it was trying to do. It knew it wasn't going to overstay its welcome and be a you know what two and a half two forty long movie like Alien. It's just like let's just get right into the point, get right into the tension. These are normal people in a crazy situation. And then let's have this big reveal that it's fucking Cthulhu and you're good to go. Like, I think honestly, one of my only real complaints about the movie, some of the editing choices that they made, I think were budgetary in nature where there are a lot of cuts to black. Like if you did a shot every time there was a cut to black in this movie, you'd be fucking shot by the end of it. Because there's a lot of times where it's like something happens, cut to black. Now they're in the base. Something happens, cut to black. Like, there's a lot of that in this, and it's like, I don't know if that was a choice or a necessity exactly, but there was wonder, kind of a yeah. lot of those. I wondered a few times if maybe, because it was going to be so CG heavy, the budget for shooting was actually pretty low. Like, yeah. there's a shot, like, right after Rodrigo dies and they, they get to safety, like, TJ Miller takes his helmet off and, like, hits the wall but he does it like real light and then it's like he looks at the camera <laughs> like i didn't did notice I do that it? really <laughs> yeah it was then he was like wait why didn't they even include that and it's like i guess maybe they didn't couldn't get another shot or something hmm. uh i think the budget shows sometimes but you know they they had a good budget and obviously they're paying kristen stewart good money to be there i would imagine uh director and is uh, William Eubank, so he he probably his fee wasn't huge. He had only really done uh, a movie called The Signal before this, and okay. so I imagine his director's fee wasn't big. Yeah, it really would just be. I, I would think they would have more time, but maybe uh, they shot it from April to May, so it, it was a pretty quick shoot, and hmm. most of it was post production. Ah. Yeah, I can see what you're talking about, though. There there's some choices where. It does seem like maybe they wanted to do more and just couldn't. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And, and two, like, as far as it looking cheap or whatever, like, I like the fact that the sets and these bases and stuff looks really utilitarian. Like, it doesn't look right. like you're, you know, inside of a fucking base of the future at the bottom no. of the ocean. Like, this feels very like, okay, they built this probably as cheap as they could for these people to come down here and do the work and, you know, possibly unearth Cthulhu on purpose. Maybe that was the entire intent, but it looks like they Maybe. weren't trying yeah. to, you know, deck this place out as nicely as they could. It's entirely utilitarian, and I think that that's really dope about it. I love the sets in the movie. And again, dude, it's like I could say it reminds me of the tight tunnels and stuff like that on the ships on Alien, but, well, dude... How could it not look like that? Like, what, is a base at the bottom of the ocean supposed to look like a fucking funhouse? Of course it's going to be tight corridors and stuff, and of course that reminds you of Alien. That's just how it would work. Yeah. The yeah, inside exactly. of every car has a steering wheel. What's your fucking point? 
<laughs> yeah, the the nature of like the evil corporation element uh it's much bigger in alien obviously sure because in in underwater it's really only revealed in the opening titles and closing credits like there's not a whole lot of discussion ever about tn industries or what they're doing down there or any of that so they did a good job of like what you said like Alien tries to establish how boring the job is, like, as a necessity that it's just, like, space trucking um, by having them sit around and talking and all this stuff. And they they just didn't really have the time for that in this movie. So they, they really do just get all of that story out in opening credits and then a couple news clips in the closing credits. Yeah. That's pretty much I it, mean, and that's fine. Like, I like yeah, it being it a shady... You know, like, I never see the president of that organization. We never find out that right. the captain knew all along this was the plan. Right, Again, that would exactly. just be alien, man. And if you want that, that would just be alien. alien. Yeah. 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 I, I don't get it, man. I don't get those complaints. Um, and two, I want to point this out as well. Like, in terms of the the lack of character depth, you know, where it's like, oh, man, she had to make that choice to shut the door as all those explosions were happening yeah. in the first movie, which looked dope, by the way. I love the way those that corridors awesome. just collapse. Terrifying. Yeah. And it's going like a million miles an hour. It's going so fast. Uh-huh. You know, she has to make that decision to shut the door on those people to save everybody else. And again, I saw critiques of people being like, oh, if you would have known those characters, it would have made that a bigger impact, blah, blah, blah. But then there's there's little stuff, man, where at the start of the movie where it shows her alone in that bathroom brushing her teeth and stuff, right? Yeah. There's a daddy long legs in the sink. And she cares so much for life that she doesn't do what a lot of people would do and just wash it down the drain. She carefully lifts it out, gets it out of the sink basin before she turns the water on to brush her teeth. Like, it shows little things that she cares for all life. You know, even a little daddy long legs that just happened to make it down there to the bottom of the ocean. She's like, okay, let's take care of this guy. So you know yeah. that her making the decision to close the door on those people was not easy. That's not something that was just like, I don't know, fuck them. There yeah, is character and they development they essentially here. got washed down the drain as well. Yeah, it's, it yeah. is very quick setting up exactly the type of person she is, showing her in a situation where she has to not be that type of person to save other people, and then showing how much that devastates her. Yeah. All within five minutes. Let me ask you this, because there's a subtle element of this movie that I've not quite figured out, and that is the couple of references slash homages to Alice in Wonderland that are in this movie. Yeah. Uh, T.J. Well, Miller has yeah. a white rabbit. He has right, an insignia makes, thing that says, yeah. like, we're all mad down here or something like that uh -huh. on his, I guess, like on his helmet or breather tank or something. Yeah, he also uh, references a line from Alice yeah. in Wonderland. Yeah, drowning well. yeah. in her tears or whatever. Like, and, and there, I guess there's other stuff. Like, you know, she has to. She's small, so she can crawl through that little tunnel right. and stuff like that. I don't really exactly know how deep all that stuff goes, and if there is some sort of parallel or contrast to Alice in Wonderland, other than it's this person in a in a strange land and a strange scenario. I don't exactly know what they're going for there. Going down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Obviously, it would be a connection. They're, they are down the rabbit hole. They're down uh, the Cthulhu going, hole. Right. Going down the rabbit hole, of course, implies a lot of twists and turns that we get throughout the movie. Uh, but yeah, it's not the strongest connection, I don't think. But they, they definitely tried. 
to get it in there. I don't think it adds much to the story or, you know, maybe I'm missing something, but it, it just seems to... Seems more like something that um, really doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't il illuminate anything about what happens. It's just yeah. like kind of shouting out the reference to what they're doing. I think so. And, yeah, it didn't really seem eh. to do a lot, a lot, but it's like it didn't take away anything either. So I'm not critiquing it. I'm just saying maybe there's yeah. more of that than I thought, but I don't really know. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I didn't see much more to it. Like, I, I kept noticing those things and being like, okay, so, like, how's this gonna... How's this gonna connect? Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, I think, honestly, about my only complaint about the movie that's worth mentioning, I think that last line is really cheesy. Let's light this shit up. Uh, like, that's like, oh, man. Let's like light that, this shit up. I kind of planned on her, like, hitting the bomb, and then you hear that line, and then you have, like, maybe, like, a Dead Mouse song start playing. Like, there's a bass drop <laughs> whenever the bomb blows up, and it's, like, dubstep, like, light this shit up. Like, ah. Yeah. Not really the line. Super popular dubstep in 2020. Remember the dubstep revolution in 2020? Yeah. I see that. Um, I think it's possible that they may have thrown in those voiceover bits afterward. Like maybe they thought there wasn't enough going on in those scenes and they needed her to say something rather than... Some kind than, of connection, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, some of those lines are good. Uh, she says, uh, awake and dreaming not that those things are easy to tell apart and i think that that um uh hits with me because of the the a year that uh, i've been sitting in a, a room no kidding <laughs> the pandemic has made me feel that like get that and really understand what that's going for and trying to help us connect with what it would be like to be in this underwater drill Oh, but hell. now that we've all been there, it's like, I don't know, I, I fully connect with the awake and dreaming and not being able to tell the difference between the two because they're both so mundane. Hell, Steve, it's just all come together for me right here. What is it? Oh, my God. Okay. This movie was made way for this pandemic, right? They waited uh -huh. till this pandemic had done started before they released it. Right. Where is this movie set? Mariana Trench. What's that near? Asia. What's that near? China, where the virus started. <laughs> Asia is close to China. They're mm -hmm. like right next to each other, right? This movie <laughs> knew something about something that was going to happen. And they yeah. knew if they put it out too early, they couldn't take our jobs and, and, <laughs> and tell us what was going to happen. That's why they waited to put it out. This movie was telling us what was going to happen. That is, that is without a doubt impeccable logic. I cannot, <laughs> I can't, I can't see any reason why you're wrong, but I think, I, you know what? I think China and Asia, they might be so close to each other. They might even be inside one another. They might as well be as far as one I'm of concerned. Them might be a part of the other. Might as well be the same place if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, I, that is interesting though that like, because there is, um, they, they are trying to connect to a Chinese audience, I feel like if this hadn't come out when it did, it may have made a lot more money. Like, I think this may have done well in China. Yeah. 
uh and that that is probably kind of what they were relying on with giving it such a large budget like it may not do as well in america but overseas it'll do well and they didn't get that because the pandemic had already hit in asia so you know japan china uh korea they didn't go out to see it and it just didn't make the money it, it would have so i mean it's it's possible some ballsy executive out there might be like this should get a sequel i would be i'd be happy to see that i would too i would love it man and i would absolutely watch it because this movie was just such a nice surprise for me you know because whenever you whenever i heard the subject of like it's underwater it's uh cosmic horror and stuff like that i was kind of prepared to be disappointed and for it to be like Uh okay they're just dragging in some cosmic horror movies honestly exactly they're just dragging in some monster because we know it not because it makes sense for the story right and they're just relying on that to make me go see it i was kind of expecting to be disappointed by it and i was very pleasantly surprised like i would definitely watch this many more times it's it's brief it gets in it gets out there's some really memorable moments in here and Mm -hmm. uh, again i just i have very little to complain about this man yeah, me too. Yeah, I, it's um, it's super solid. I think you know, if we're getting to rating this, I think um, strong performances. Um, it, it's obviously hurt by T.J. Miller's uh, extracurricular shittiness, real life fuckery, uh, real life fuckery. Yeah, obviously was harmed by that and harmed by the pandemic. Um. And probably seen by some people who um, just weren't going to get it. It wasn't for them. It was uh, It's for people who were maybe younger and haven't seen Alien or people who can divorce two movies from one another. Yeah. And uh, maybe those people are fewer and further between than we thought. Could be. Uh, but it, it's solid. It's solid throughout. It's not perfect. The dialogue's not perfect. I... I think uh, I do uh, really come to like the Emily character, but the Liam character, I didn't even remember his name was Liam. He is pretty much um, baggage yeah. for most of the movie. Uh, but I again, I don't know how you're going to add characterization in such a short period of time to a character that needs to be baggage for other characters to be developed right. like the only Emily way you could is, do that is totally unrealistic stuff that would break the flow of the movie exactly. like flashbacks yeah. or scenes where they sit there and hug and kiss and talk about how they're gonna get exactly. a puppy when they get up you know above water like, <laughs> right it's just stuff that would fuck the movie up yeah uh i love the development of emily like how she is just you know she's kind of uh what, what is the opposite of a fish out of water a human in water <laughs> she's kind of a human in water uh t- tale here where she's this isn't her thing entirely she's not uh, into the drilling and engineering part she's a research person uh she's kind of never been out to the ocean and absolutely scared of it not that she's never been to the ocean but she's never on this drill been outside uh and she's frightened of it but she becomes this super strong character who survives everything. And, uh, you know, that that development is, is strong. Kristen Stewart from the beginning is like, like her development is, is less of a, an arc. Like she is 
strong and tough from the beginning. She's just never been tested like this. And throughout, she kind of meets the test every time. And like, despite the fact that there's some struggle, we're always like pretty clear that she's going to make it, which is kind of the surprise at the end that she's not going to make it. Um, I, I like how all of that develops and I like the characters and, and, and think that it's, it's solid. Um, I don't know if, if I'm scoring this, I, I don't know. Whatever I gave tremors to, what did I give tremors to? <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't remember. It's, it's a pretty high movie. Though. I really I like, like eight or something eight, like that. Eight, eight. I want to give this an eight. Um, I, I, I think this, uh, this, if you don't like it, fine. I get it. it you can kiss it really my grits. Is, it's retreading a lot of the same ground that you've maybe already seen. But hey, I like that ground. I want to cool. retread it. Yeah, totally. We've all been looking for a, a, an alien movie to be good for a long time. Dude. And this is it. And that's the thing to me, man. Like, even if you don't necessarily enjoy this movie that much, look at it as like a great resume of why this person should make yeah, the William next alien movie. Because, dude, William come Ubeck on. should direct the next alien. Yeah. Tell me this wasn't way fucking better than Prometheus or Covenant. Like, try telling me why either of yeah. those movies was better than this. And those movies were absolutely using every bit of nostalgia as they could. I mean, you're talking about one of the most yeah. legendary franchises ever, and that's all they had going for them is it had fucking Xenomorphs in it. That's literally it, because those movies yeah, were garbage. It. This guy could make a way... I'll go on record. This guy could make a way better Alien movie than fucking Ridley Scott right now. Right. True. Yeah. Because Ridley Scott's got it so far up its own ass that yeah. he, he can't... He can't remember why people liked it. Exactly. Whereas this guy, I think, could get it and do it way better than than what Ridley is capable of right now and where he's taking that franchise. So, I don't know. Yeah. And, you know, hell, I mean, this was owned by Disney, right? So, now Alien is yeah, owned by now, Disney. So It is it is possible. There There is a way that this could see a sequel, or at the Might very happen. least, that William Eubank could be tapped to, to go to Alien if, if they're looking at it. But, yeah, who knows? I, I imagine if they make an alien, though, they'll go with some big name, which, well, I don't know. Well, I, I'm i not going to say that because the MCU, uh, Disney has continually surprised me with who they go for. True. I mean, going with Taika Waititi was surprising. James Gunn was surprising. Sam Raimi is even surprising, even though he's done uh, Spider-Man because Sam Raimi's not the type of guy who takes orders and... Mm -mm. The MCU is not the type of place where a director gets to decide everything that happens. Yeah, freewheel it. <laughs> yeah. So that was a huge surprise to me, too. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe they do it. Who knows? Could happen, man. But, yeah, I enjoy this movie for everything that you talked about. I like the little bit of backstory that we get, too, about you know some of these people experiencing loss before the job. Uh, I don't think we even touched on those elements with Kristen Stewart and her, her dude that died doing that dive and then we find out about the captain's daughter that died and stuff like that like i like that we experience those things in a very organic way yeah it's not like very forced to me the way that you reveal those things it's not like a michael bay like i do it for my daughter then hit the detonator like it's not like that cheesy <laughs> shit i'll see they you did. in heaven my baby girl <sighs> i like that. they actually because there were so many times that it seemed similar to a michael bay movie but like swerved a bit 
the one moment that really stood out was when TJ Miller turned on the music real loud. And he's <laughs> like, we're going to do this thing. Let's do it. And everybody's just like, what the fuck? And yeah. he's like, oh, all right, I'll turn it down. Like, that was <laughs> such a Michael Bay moment where everybody would have been like, yeah, back in black. <laughs> yeah. We're all going down to the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> Glad they didn't go that direction. <laughs> yeah, that would have been the worst. I'm with you. I think seven and a half is where I would put this. I think it's very enjoyable as a flick. So hopefully, you know, if you've been listening to this podcast, you probably could have just watched the movie like twice by now and really decided (laughs) what you think about it. So I hope you've not been waiting all this time to decide if you should watch the movie. No, should I do it? Should I? I just don't know. I'm waiting till the very end before they tell me if I should watch it or not. I don't want to invest all my time into a movie I won't like. I'll listen to this two and a half hour long podcast and let them tell me. Oh, yeah. You know what? That is very flattering, though, that yes, people thank trust you. us more than they trust the movie. This I mean, invented you know? person that we made just now. <laughs> that is out there somewhere, because you could imagine it. <laughs> definitely, exists. definitely. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Next week, we're going to be digging into one that we have wanted to do for years on the show and uh-huh. somehow yeah. never done. Tell them about it, Steve. We're going to talk about that Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. That we are. We got a Kenneth Branagh in there. Uh-huh. We got a Bobby De Niers running around. Bobby De Niro. Woo, man. These hands of mine. I'm Bobby De Niro. Mm. That's what he says. That's what he says, man. Uh, it's going to be a good Can one. Can you milk me, Greg? <laughs> what? This what? doesn't even sound like Robert De Niro. <laughs> it's not really a good De Niro. I wasn't going to no. break it on you, but uh, it could use a little bit of work. You got a week to workshop. Actually, you don't have a week because it's Sunday now. No, you got like three days to workshop days. it. Yeah. <laughs> so get practicing on that thing. That way we can do some good Bobby De Niro impressions on the show. Uh, which I hope you guys tune in for next week. In the meantime, consider showing some support for the show by going on whatever podcast service you use and rating and reviewing this show. Give it that high five-star rating. If it's a 10-star system, give it 10 stars. Give it the yeah, maximum amount of stars. Maybe it's seven stars. It's magical. I don't know. Give Find it your Find a all. way to give it 10 stars if it's five stars. That'll make up for the other stars we've lost. Yeah, that's like two reviews that are really good in one. So yeah. do that if you can. Doesn't cost you a dime, just takes a second. You guys can also support us on Patreon. That is true. Patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. Head over there, become a $5 patron. You can throw a movie into the smoking bowl. And guess what? We randomly draw from that smoking bowl once a month. And then we cover that movie. We just did Tremors 2 recently. Uh, Before that, we did Porno. That was a fun one. Good times. So uh, I'm telling you. Uh, uh, these uh, what's up, a doos? Dibby dibby dabba dab. That's the one. That's my favorite mm-hmm. Red Hot Chili Peppers song. Zibby dabba dabba doo, hibba dabba dippa. <laughs> but yeah, get your movie featured on a feature installment of the show just by supporting us over there on Patreon. Also follow us on Instagram and all that other shit too. Yeah, Instagram and uh, Twitter. We're at Dead Lovely Pod. Uh, Dead and Lovely. Uh, uh on Facebook. It's uh, facebook.com forward slash Dead and Lovely. We got the Discord. I post that link every Friday. We're all over the place. You can find us if you're looking for us. That's right. Seek and you shall find some good ways to hang out and interact with Uncle Ben. And Hollywood Steve. Who have been your host for today's show. We'll catch you guys next time. Everybody out there, have a good one. And watch out for deer. Oh, that was Weird Al's thing. I can't steal that. Oh, yeah. No. Can't do that one. Man. All right. (laughs) Bye. Bye.
So the other day, Steve, I was maybe a little bit stoned. Maybe. I'm not maybe. saying definitely, okay. but I'm saying I could right. have been stoned. I don't, I've never been there, but continue. I'll tell you about it. But the thing is, is I was getting the hungers, as you sometimes do. Right. So I decided that I should thaw myself a piece of fish that I had in the freezer and cook it up. And, of course, the best way to thaw a piece of fish is just to run it underwater for a while, right? Okay, sure. So I left them in the plastic. I put them in the sink there. I was running them underwater. And uh, my wife always drives her crazy because she's like, you're wasting so much water. And I'm like, but I got to thaw the fish for myself to eat. Right. And in my altered state, I was thinking to myself, wow, maybe the reason running this piece of fish underwater works so well for thawing it is because it reminds it of being alive. <laughs> maybe, maybe. 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 I mean, it could. Maybe the fish is like, uh, am I back to life? Oh, sweet existence. Oh. Well, it kind of got me thinking, too, like, maybe next time I'm thawing out, like, a steak, I just go throw it in a field for a while. See if it just, like, <laughs> thaws out really fast, because it's like, oh, to be alive again. Now, I'm going to tell you the <laughs> best way to thaw things is to put them in the refrigerator overnight. Uh, who's got time for that, man? Come on. That's for people who plan. Who does now, that, I, anyway? I'm also a run things underwater type from time to time, but I, I like to like to throw it in the fridge uh, to remind it I'm still in charge. Like, you know, if you put it in the field, it's like, yeah, it's going to thaw, but you're going to have to lasso it. That's true. It could run off on you. Right. <laughs> I put it in the fridge, so it's like, well, I got nowhere to go. Fuck. <laughs> I think if you was ever needing to thaw out a piece of me, I think you just throw me in a guitar store. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, all right, I'm back. <laughs> Listen, I don't know what your plans are after life or whatever, but if you have a tombstone, I'm chiseling that on there. If you don't, I'm going to chisel that on something. <laughs> Thaw me out in a guitar shop. Thaw me out in a guitar shop. You know what you would do if you needed to uh, you know, quickly refresh a piece of Steven Tyler? You'd put him back in the saddle again. Right? That's how you do it. Yeah, you'd want it to be a pink saddle. And yeah, uh, probably colored. best mm-hmm. if you put it in an elevator, yeah. Mm, yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. Where would they thaw you out, man? Uh, you want to thaw me out? You'd probably just set me in front of my computer. <laughs> be Let the it. warm glow of the blue light to <laughs> yeah. just bring you just back, boot, huh? boot it up and start playing some YouTube videos. Maybe start with like... Uh, the the try channel or something, and good idea. Move into like some Fallout Four videos or something. By the time you get to Rhett and Link, like I'll probably be thought out. <laughs> Just toss you an air fryer after that, right? And then I'll <laughs> click on a Mythical Kitchen video and I'll be good. Are we high right now? Yeah, I am. What? I've never <laughs> been high. What's up? What happened? <laughs> <laughs>